The Intermediate Line advises a language and concept warning for the entire show. The Intermediate Line is brought to you by nervouswater.com.au. Thomas and Thomas Fly Rods, Shilton Fly Reels and Call and Fly Lines. Power Pole, Total Boat Control. Ketterfly Apparel, from time on the water to you. Beast Brushes, we stay in our lane of experience to improve your experience. Your own personal Jesus. Someone to hear your prayers, someone who cares. Your own personal Jesus. Someone to hear your prayers, someone who's there. Feeling unknown and you're all alone, flesh and bone, by the telephone. Lift up the receiver, I'll make you a believer. Take second best, put me to the test Things on your chest, you need to confess I will deliver, you know I'm a forgiver Reach out and touch faith Reach out and touch faith Not recording yet, but yeah it's ready now, mate. All right. Welcome back to another show, folks. Very exciting one tonight. How are you, Vault? Yeah, I'm great. Thanks, Chris. How are you? Very excited to be here as well. Mate, I think I've mentioned I'm excited, but I, I, I'm that excited. I'm really willing to mention it again that I'm excited. I'm excited. You're excited. Real excited. I can tell from your voice that you're very excited. Mate, I would go as far as saying that I'm very excited. Yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> just about the show in general, or is this something I'm else? I'm just cool excited in general and about yeah. the show. But yeah, uh, right. yeah, I am excited about the show. You know, we can, uh, we, we can. I'm sure if you're listening to this, it's probably because you've already seen there's a new show out and you already know who it is. And if you know who it is, you can probably tell why. I'm very excited. Very excited. I'm guessing people will know why when they've clicked on. They'll know who we've got. That is. But um, and if you're if you're here, you're probably very excited too. Hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. Hey, um, uh, I know what I know what you're excited about. I, I'm going to take a stab in the dark here. That new uh, that new power pole uh, motor's pretty pretty close. Wouldn't oh it? yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I wonder if when this show is out, I'll probably have that bolted on the front. That is also very exciting. You're absolutely correct. Uh, been a long that. time, man. Been waiting for it, but yeah, it's nearly here, which is cool. Excellent. Going, going down to Dez's to uh, to fit it up when it's here. Good old Uncle Desmond. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, if you see him in repairs, folks, always ask for Des. <laughs> He's a good man. Yeah. He's a good man. Tell him, yeah. tell him Chris and Volts sent you. Yes. Or yeah. Volts and Chris. One or the other. It'd be good. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah, it just, it just yeah. sounds better alphabetically, right? Well, you know, it goes in uh, ascending levels of intelligence. So, anyway. I don't know what that means. Yeah, well, beans. I'm just trying to be ironic. Beans, beans. Let's be yeah, sound pre anticipating the humor. <laughs> Ask me anything. Uh, <laughs> mm. 
Um, yeah, mate. No, it's pretty good, mate. So I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait. Can't mm. wait. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, I've got to. Re- we'll have to report back about that. Got that um that green marine battery on it too. So it's uh the, the 36 volt 50 amp hour. Pretty keen to see how it performs or or it performs as promised. The bow mount that the podcast built. Very nice. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. We'll so see, good. mate. We'll see. Hey, um, did you listen to the last show we did with um with Andy V Man? Stepped no. in. No. Uh, we mentioned on. <laughs> That's cool. Um, you, you know, I'm sure you get the lowdown from Andy anyway, mate. But uh, mention yeah. on there. Did you did you hear us mention Al's new lineup with um the shirts he's got with Caterfly? I didn't listen, so I didn't hear it. But I have been oh, looking at his page and silly he, uh, me. He's it's got, a silly question. He's got some really cool stuff, particularly like the uh, the Barra head and the uh, the Goldie head in particular. Um, they look pretty cool. They look mm. really good. I'm gonna grab me some of those. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. If there's one good thing to go with your perm house shirt, it's a, it's a shirt with head. <laughs> that's, that's very aggressive. But, uh, yeah, I do, I do like them. I do. The flying fish is a good-looking one, too. Yeah. 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 Very non-aggressive. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Hey, yeah. Uh, I, see, um, I see the Flatscraft crabs been getting around the world, dude. What's going on? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty exciting, too. I'm actually excited about that, too. Can I add that to the list of things I'm excited about? I'm it's excited. a long list. It's a big put it down to moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, the you could say that um, the Belize and Yucatan and, and all those areas have discovered them now. That's for sure. I just sent a big um, a big pile over to, um, oh, I can't remember their names, like two of the guides at um, X-Flats there, X-Calat, however you pronounce that and stuff. But uh, just... Um, yeah, a couple of the guys have been buying them off over over there, like um, Charlie Leslie fly fishing in Punta Allen, I think it is, or something like that. I'm not familiar with the words, but yeah, there's yeah. been a few perms caught over there, particularly on, ironically, on Al's um, legs more than more than anything, that's the ones they've um, been using and catching over there on there. The the keta crabs, pretty cool. Keta crabs, yeah, they're pretty yeah. good looking legs, man. Yeah, yeah, the flash craft thing's been cooking. It uh, picked up another. If you're in the US and you're listening to this, there's now there's another shop. In the U.S., that, that's um, stocking Flatscraft, um, and and I think another shop that's coming on in Canada as well. So, um, if you guys want to find out where you can buy them, uh, just just reach out. Just uh, I don't care if you do it through the podcast, or whatever. But um, able to put you in touch with um, where you can get it from in the in stateside. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, that's a good good move. Yeah, the, congratulations, man. You're Mister Worldwide. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, international man of crabbery. <laughs> We're crab people now. <laughs> yeah, man. That's great. Well done. Well done. Uh, look, it, 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 that, that Atlantic permit is the one that um, measure is, you know, like people that people who have caught all, all species would, would tell you, like, I mean, there's people that famously have caught all species that will tell you that they're, they're all hard. They're all as equally as hard and they've all got their challenges. But, you know the um yeah the original permit that's 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 a good measure of quality of the product I'd imagine it's a good one I'm pretty stoked to see it catching fish over there yeah oh, man, that must be gratifying for you yeah yeah no it's cool man that's for sure um yeah man so yeah but oh, well getting back to more local issues so that I seen that um I seen that you went uh you went fishing hey yeah I did yeah snuck snuck down for some uh, carpology um. Mm. Yeah, as promised, I, I uh, got bent up on the um, 
the Thomas and Thomas low tick fiberglass rod. Yeah. Um, yeah, from Nervous Water. It. Um, I was wrong. It was. I thought it was a five seven six. It was a five foot ten rod. Sorry, seven foot ten rod in a um, in a five weight. Uh, mm. Heaps of low grant, low down. Uh, grunt. I agree. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a man. I've, I've used glass before. It was it was different, eh? <laughs> it, you can it it is. Di- oh, well, that's the first glass rod I ever owned. That one. I've got a couple since. Um, yeah. But I I was surprised how accurate and um, quick you could be with it. Let's put it that way. You know, and that, those two probably go together if you need to make a, a quick accurate cast, particularly with sight fishing. Did you find that too? It takes a little bit to get used to if you use the five carbon five, of course. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was, a, it was totally, yeah, totally different to what. It's been a while since I've thrown one. I, of course, I had that four weight in a similar uh, length in a in an epic there for a while. Mm. Um, but you know, it's, it just feels way different to to graphite. And I, I had no practice cast before I went down either. I was just sort of like threaded up, and you know, we're pretty much straight on the fish. Um, good days, good time of year <clears throat> down there at the local, and. Um, yeah, I look forward to doing it again. But uh, yeah, yeah, doing doing it again soon, man. Hey, yeah, uh, I was just gonna, just before you move on, I was just say you put up um, a couple of photos as well. But um, uh, and you did mention this time of year. The other thing with this time of year, obviously, is the um, snakes. And um, you know, I didn't realize there were some snakes down there that could cause you know, like um, you know, some of the it's like a Bell's palsy going on there because that photo you put up there looked like you might have been drooling on your shoulder a little bit there. But did you did you notice that? Did you notice you had been bitten? By any chance? <laughs> no, man. I, I hadn't noticed. Uh, <clears throat> you have an unnatural fear of snakes, and perhaps I wouldn't. Is- no, I don't think that's fair. I think I have the same fear as everyone else. Do you? Let, let me ask you this: Do you like being surprised by them? Do you like standing on without knowing? I don't, I don't think anyone does, man. But well, that's me. That's the only fear that I have. They're, they're very cryptic, you know. You I see, guess, you see, the difference is I'm quite comfortable in my masculinity to admit that I, I don't like standing on snakes. I noticed when I mentioned that to people, you get a lot of tough, tough buggers, you know, that like to sort of go, and um, and the truth of the matter is, no one likes walking on snakes, and that's me. I don't like walking on snakes, and it's happened a couple of times. Yeah, right. I think that high-pitched squeal is what made people, you know, think that perhaps... When did you hear that again? Oh, everyone's talking. Because it just looked like one of your ears wasn't working in that that photo. I just wondered if... um, you know, you had a, hist- a brief history of time to, to like on your mind or something. You know, one of my uh, good mates recently uh, got Bell's palsy, and he um, he had it for about four weeks. He's a real estate agent, which is a real problem because you know your your face is your money maker. Yeah, he, um, it sort of he had he had to do rentals there for a bit, but he, he's all good now. Um, and uh, he had to carry a lot of tissues around. <laughs> huh? Pretty rough. Yeah, it would be rough, mate. It doesn't. You could use a cornmeal blue tie too, if that's the case. <laughs> you reckon his missus wouldn't even look at him, poor bugger. <laughs> so yeah. when did it wear off for you? Did like when you got up there, the venom wore out once you got in the car? Or I mean, I didn't touch wood, mate. I didn't get bitten by a snake. Have yeah. you seen your photo? I would encourage people to go to your your page, Voltsy underscore fishing, which is a fantastic page. You're a truly talented individual, you know. But um, that particular photo there is, um, it, I'll be honest with you, mate. I I, I was going to call the doctor for you. You know, I was worried. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh well, look. Thanks for your concern, but I'm all good. Yeah. Yeah. 
Huh? Cool, man. Yeah. yeah, I think someone made a comment about Stephen Hawking there as well. That uh, looks like it uh, went over a lot of people's heads, but that's probably a cruel comment to make from that person. They probably <laughs> should have taken that back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Look, getting back to the to the to the, to the show at hand. What were you going to say? Sorry, before. I don't know. I was just trying to save you from offending all these minorities. But uh, let's, oh, that, let's, that, let's keep that, going. You went, you went fishing. How did that go? Uh, not worth talking about, really. It was, um, yeah, it didn't do any good. Well, I, I just pulled the hooks on one fish, which is amazing that it, that even happened. But um, it was just cold, unseasonally cold, algal bloom. Um, very, very unusual, that spot for this time of year, given how long I fished that place. So it was, um, yeah, not cool. So we could just move on. Okay. You can tell you don't want to talk about your fail. Well, there's, n- there's nothing. To- <laughs> it's not a failure. You, you learn oh. from, um, you learn from, um, it was a situation. I haven't been out in the water for a long time. It's, this is a weird year for me. Um, but I, you know, I, I got to take, I have to take something back in regards to that. Like I've said on the podcast many times, I'm not the person, not the type of person who considers a good day on or a bad days fishing better than a good day is at work. I, I, I would rather be at work if the fishing shit. But in that particular situation, I fished with a friend who could only fish that day. I knew that the next day would have been better, but I just I was just keen to get on the water. As 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 you know, it's just a when you fish a lot and um, you don't you don't like doing that. But when you haven't fished for a while and you've got low expectations, it is kind of just good to get back on the water. You know, so I can appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, it could. So think. yeah. Yeah, so there's two things I'm uh, I'm a big enough man to admit that I don't like standing on snakes and that I was wrong. <laughs> I respect you, Chris. That's yeah. what I was. Sorry to the haters. I didn't give you no fighter there, but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, talking about respect, mate. We've got to get, pay respect to to um, uh, to the big Palowski for this show. The big, the big, huge, huge, huge. Huge, huge Pulowski. Eugene Pulowski. Huge pain. What? Eugene Pulowski. Oh, yeah. I thought you meant Yeah. Yeah, gotcha. Set this up for us. Um, Yep. We we had him on a couple of shows ago. He's he's turned out to be, you know, a top dude. Um, And uh, he threw us a big solid here with with a good connection. So, huge thanks, man. Uh, Really appreciate it. Uh, And the the guest himself... um, can I say, or do you want to? You can say it, mate. Well, yeah, Jamie Howard, chasing silver, uh, running Search the Search of a rising tide. Search of a rising tide, Andy's return. Yep, black like salmon. A, yeah, black salmon. Uh, bass, mention- actually did a good movie on largemouth bass. Um, did you mention running the coast? I did, I did. And I will thoroughly recommend uh, our listeners go along to his website, which is howardfilms.com. Mm-hmm. And you can actually uh, view the web. Uh, you can you can view each of these movies. You can buy them, um, rent them, uh, and and, w- and watch them uh, when it suits you on your own uh, devices at home. Um, some of them are higher quality; like they're in a higher definition than than when you bought the DVD. So it's definitely worth a look, and they're not that expensive. So um, I def- agree, definitely worth the bucks. Like you know, cheaper than a home delivered pizza, and. Um, and you know, except for Tuesdays, food. yeah, except for Tuesdays, yeah, yeah. So, you know, definitely something, uh, you know, treat yourself to a visual feast, you know, visual feast is the right man. I, I agree. I, 
I, I can't recommend high enough that running the coast. You, you know, I'm no doubt we're going to talk about it tonight, but um, what a shock, mate! It was totally not something I thought. I thought it was. You know, it was. I had this misconception, a real misconception about what it was. Um, um, that's not the right word, is it? Misconception is, yeah. Well, it is then. That's all I had. Uh, a real misconception about what it was going to be, and I was wildly surprised. Not even pleasantly surprised. I was beyond miles beyond expectations about how good it was. Uh-huh. And um, and um, yeah, I, I reckon if you you know if you can afford yourself the time. I think it just appeals to, to, to fishermen, you know. Heaps of fly fishing in it. Heaps of big names in it. Lefty Cray, Bob Popovics, um, you know, uh, Dave Scott's in there. And, uh, you know, like all that sort of st- all those guys. Um, yeah, there's heaps of fly fishing in it. But it's not all fly fishing. It's just a great story. It's just a great story documentary. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. And, it, you know, I don't know if I'll ever... I'd, I'd love to be able to say I would, but I don't know if I'll ever get over to, you know, the, the Atlantic, you know, northeast of the coast of the U.S. Mm. to chuck drippers and, and, you know, get that culture that's happening over, you know, almost a thousand miles of coastline that follow the run. Um, mm. Super cool. And it's well, a story in itself. Jamie follows the run. There's probably guys that do follow the run. The film filmmaker follows the run, but he focuses on these people that are just so, just beef masters about their own little area. Like, they just... They're so good at their niche way of catching stripers. I tell you, I, I've I've always wanted to catch striper. I reckon they look cool, like, like what they eat and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But now I've got a real desire to catch one now after watching that movie. You know, to, to do that somewhere like that, like the um the 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 particularly the the stuff up further north with the you know side fishing to, to striper with on crabs. That's that is just insane. That it reminds me a lot of the kingfish actually, like in New Zealand. Um, but just their striper, they're, they're different again, you know? They're different again, yeah. Mm. You know, you got to pinch yourself and realise that, you know, the first of his videos was recorded, uh, you know, around 20 years ago. Mm. And I don't, you know, I, I, people have done other styles of videos. I don't think anyone's done, you know, much, I say, better than this, um, you know, across his, across his, uh, you know, his tarpon movies, bonefish, you know. Yeah, because stri- he's got... He's not advertising anything, but but the love, you know, like that's what comes yeah. through in it, you know. Like, is, you know, you watch, you, you know, you go to, you know, oh, look, I mean, it's pretty topical as it's just happened, but I mean, it's a great example, like film festivals and so that. The the filmmakers got a, a a brand agenda. They're either selling themselves as a guide or they're selling something, you know, themselves. Like, a, it might be an influencer. They're selling. But Jamie, yeah. I don't even know if he's in any of his films. You know, like he's, uh, you know, he's not selling anything. He's he's just selling the the passion. You know. Well, I guess too, you know, like you look at the the, the ones that the, like you said, the the film nights, are, they're selling something, but, you know, apart from us paying to go, like largely these things are, are free and they're paid for by sponsors, you know, so. Yeah, well, that's fair. Yep. Yeah, but, you know, Jamie's actually selling product and, you know, that in itself deserves your support. Um, it's worth having a look. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people have seen bits and pieces of it. Just, what can I say? Just go and have a, have a crack. Do yourself a flavour as as uh, Molly Melton <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're not going to, you're definitely not going to get a, a good idea of it from, from shorts and trailers, eh? It, it does, yeah. it doesn't do it justice at all. It's probably not even, not, I'm sure they've got to put a trailer, but you could easily, it doesn't do it justice, you know? Yeah. And, and these, these films, like particularly Chasing Silver and Andy's Return and LX, for example, they were. That's Location yeah, X, guys. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I just try to make it sound like I'm that familiar with it. 
that yeah, yeah. throw at abbreviation at it, hey. I'm so. surprised you didn't put on a US accent for that, actually, but please continue. <laughs> I'm very bad at it. Otherwise, I would, yeah. Try it. Just yeah. try it. Just try nah. it on. We can just, we'll just edit it out. Nah, nah, it's nah go on. We'll just edit nah. it out, mate. Nah. Uh, we're, actually, we're not even recording, mate, right now, so just just give it a go. Uh, nah, nah, I'm good, man. I'm good. You sure? It's just you and I'm me. I'm limits. I'm like that, that guy in the meme who sort okay. of tries to pick up the large lady. But, no, yeah. that's cool, man. You, you, you're very clever. I was actually recording. Apologize. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But any, All right. anyway, let's get Jamie Without on. Without further uh, ado. Adieu. 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 The French guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's do it. Let's get him on. Welcome back, listeners, to our very, very important person. Our, uh, it's our pleasure to present Jamie Howard this evening. Thank you for joining us, Jamie. Awesome to be here, guys. It's, this is the modern technology. This is great across the globe. Yeah, sure. no, it, yeah, it's all it's awesome, Jamie. It's great to have you, mate. Well, I, I can speak on behalf of us, both of us when I say that we're both. Uh, Big, long-time fans of your work, mate. So it's great to have you on the show. Awesome to be here. Thanks for saying that. It's, it's uh, be, it will be fun to talk with you guys. I tell you what, I think um, a lot of people would be would probably be spun out as um, as I was when I first heard your voice. I didn't realize that wasn't you narrating those movies from back in the day, like uh, Chasing Silver and Location X. I thought that was you for some reason, but um, um, you know. It's, uh, yeah. I think that a lot of people will be sort of going, hang on a minute. So it's um, definitely wasn't you, right? No, that was, um, I mean, if you want to get right into the stories, <laughs> <laughs> which is what we're here for, um, yeah. the, that, the voiceover was a product of um, my editor who I had sort of trained so I could do, focus on one thing. He could focus on that. And I made him do the voiceover. And ironically, he had a bit of a drinking problem. And I can say this because no one's listening to this podcast. <laughs> no, it's just a stupid little Australian podcast. You're absolutely yeah, correct. So I think yeah. we're safe. So um, so he came in the day of the big read. I'd written this script for the, I, you know, all these movies. I you know, I have a writing background. So I was writing the voiceover and the, the, the intro. Mm. You know, I think you know, in Chasing Silver, we talk about friendships, marriages, and even one's own sanity. A thousand grains question. of sand. That one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's actually a trillion, right? Was so, it? Yep. Yeah, a thousand shades of blue. hundred trillion grades of sand. There you go. Right? So, so like Todd was reading it, but he was hungover. And I was so pissed um, that him for showing up hungover the day of. And I could hear it in his voice. And I'm like, oh, God, you just, you kill me. Every morning you kill me at the edit. You're hungover. You're so, so then we played it. And I was like, just sober up. So he read it the next day. And I was like, oh, my God, it's worse. I was like, we need, and so from then on, I told him to party like a rock star before all his reads. <laughs> so he'd smoke and drink till he could barely walk, and then we'd do the voiceover. <laughs> so there you go. I'd write it, he'd read it, and there you go. That's how we made it. Yeah. We're going to talk more about these films later, but just on that side, did he, did he, was it the same guy from Chasing Silver as the Location X as well? Yeah. So, I mean, just in order, the running, I mean, Rising Tide was someone else. 
Yep. Chasing yep. Silver and Location X were the same person. Oh, no way. Because me and Volti yeah. were talking be- before it, saying that the guy from Location X, not knowing it was the same person, obviously, was so much more relaxed and had you on the edge of your seat. The, the, the way that he spoke about <laughs> the point that he was trying to make yeah. really had you on your seat you're on the edge of your seat you know well the whole theme of that one it was a theme you see so location x was definitely like that was part and part and parcel to the whole movie so we we went that direction all the way you know Mm. we went we shot some stuff for espn (laughs) they said um can you get another voiceover (laughs) 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 Poor, poor, poor todd we made some bass shorts um out in california and other places but so anyway the voiceover died at that point but up until that point todd had been doing yeoman's work and he did a great job reading it yeah oh it really did it um you know it really matched the vibe of um of the feel of fly fishing let's put it that way i guess you could say yeah no it was really cool yeah yeah um he did did well yeah hey uh you know we have, have we ever seen you in front of the camera that we know that we, we don't think we have that we that we're aware of have you ever been in front of the camera um i mean just fishing pictures but um i don't do any um i don't step into the frame in my movies except you know, i did a cameo at the end of rising tide on the dock did you see that <laughs> I've, I've i've got um i haven't seen rising tide for a long time i got it on dvd but um i can't remember seeing you at the end of it was it was it obvious or was it there's no sign you're holding going i'm jamie out or no anything, right? i was sitting there go back and look i'm sitting there on the dock i think in my socks and <laughs> um and all the guys around me i brought all the old guys in and we just we were chatting i think at the, it might have been during the credits i can't remember but they were great and unfortunately none of those guys the older guys are alive anymore, but the um, the younger guys are. Wow. So that was a sort of a, um, you know, a, sort of a time capsule. And that happens a lot. You know, when you do this for a while, you know, Hank Brown, who was in um, Chasing Silver, mm. you know, he's not alive anymore. And Billy Pate's not alive anymore. And, mm. you know, different folks like that, you know. So you're trying to, you're really trying to make these things when you can. We're gonna we're gonna get to running the coast, uh, you know, in a, in a big way, which is an epic film. But one of the things I didn't expect to see, and that was um, was a great interview with Lefty Cray. Either it was um it was awesome. Yeah, that was fu- that was funny. You know, Lefty um, is a generous guy. You know, he's generous in his heart, and he just loves to teach. You know, he comes from humble beginnings, and when we wanted to meet at his house and spend the day there and talk about. Um, striper fishing he actually the first time was not there which is very unlike him and he apologized profusely for being late and his excuse was actually he'd had a heart attack so he had a pretty good excuse that'd do it yeah yeah and then the next time around um, he rose rose up we we rescheduled and it, it was a mild heart attack but he did have a congenital issue later but when we spoke with him he was he was sharp as a tack and um we interviewed him without his hat which was sort of his, his signature move. We said, we don't, we're not going to need that. Let's just you be you. And, um, you know, he spoke from the heart about the, the fishery. So it was great. Yeah. It was great having him part of it. He's awesome. Yeah. 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 We'll get to that. Maybe there's, there's a lot of huge names in, in that, that, um, I, I didn't expect to be honest with you, but, um, 
we'll get to that for sure. But um, um, I guess you know, like we're not being in front of the camera like so much. It you know, it it's it must mean there must be a like a real burning passion to to illustrate these stories, you know, um, uh, from from behind the camera. Like, what is what is all this? Um, what you do mean to you in in like in that context? Well, you know, my background had been making commercials, and so I'd been writing and directing commercials in New York, and I always wanted to do, for better or for worse, things that I could create. But once I, what I realized is that the, an, an ad was only 30 seconds, and there was only so much, even if you're doing a Super Bowl ad, there's only so much that you're going to get out of that, you know, in terms of interaction with the audience. And so when I took the leap, I really thought, I want to tell a story, and I want to do it about something that I am passionate about, and I want to be able to just do it exactly how I want to do it. And that's not the way in advertising. You've got to please a client. You've got to please bureaucracy. And so these were done. These were done so we would do the work of 20 people, but would just be myself, maybe one other person. And it was laborious and painful. But we thought this is the only way we're ever going to do it how we want to do it. You know, so we mm. would do the music direction. We do the art direction. You know, we'd select, you know, I'd write the script, we'd do the cinematography, we'd do the location scouting, we'd do the the bookings, we'd do the lodging, and we just, everything had to be organic. And of course, you know, you can't do that over and over and over forever. And so, you know, I take, I've taken some long breaks <laughs> between them because of this insane way I make them. But I'm glad that we're talking today that, um, you know, they, you guys could find them and enjoy them because that sort of was the point, you know. Yeah, yeah, Jamie. It, it can't be <clears throat> it can't be understated. You know how much this the um, the the influence of, of your movies, you know, had had down under at least. Um, I'm sure it was the the same um, back in the US. Uh, you know, in search of a rising tide, that was your first movie. That was that would be beyond twenty years ago now, right? <laughs> um, it's probably right at it. Um, yeah, just or just over. Yeah, that's frightening. But yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, and we, and it's yeah, you you know clearly you're you're a professional. Um, you come from a professional, you know, uh, film background. Um, is this is the fishing genre of of films? Is that something you do full time? Is there enough work to do it full time? Like either editing, writing, or or. Is it something that's, you know, just a, a hobby tacked onto your main job? It's a, it's a good question. You know, when I left New York and I went out um, to make uh, Rising Tide, it was, it was my, you know, it was my credit cards and it was, it was my savings. And, you know, so it was sort of a, a hustle to see if I could make it into something more, you know, and then I had to camp out in L.A. for a while. And then it started to support itself. And. I've always viewed whatever I do, I always think I should have two jobs. <laughs> so no matter what I'm doing, I always have another job. So yeah. I've always kept a foot in the ad world, branding world, um, so I could work on uh, promoting and still, you know, do short films for nonprofits, for for for-profits. Um, but the, the movies themselves, that way I can decide, you know, sometimes I spend an enormous amount of time deciding, <laughs> um, probably too long. Uh, but I don't, I've never turned them out because I just didn't enjoy that process. Some of these production companies are just shooting all the time and it becomes, you know, sometimes they're just 
doing it and I I'm not doing it unless I'm all in. So yeah. I hope that answers the question. It does it does in a way. I've sort of had an adjunct to that question. Like, does that um, does that affect the creative process? I mean, you know, that is self funded, um, and that you know, it can, things can take a little bit longer. Is is it something that uh, uh, you know does that does that give you a little bit of freedom in in how these things look? Yeah, I mean, I can. I basically get the last say. You know, I I just never was comfortable you know being sort of the corporate um model is great you just inevitably find yourself saying hey can we see this product here and can we see it here and inevitably it just loses something yeah you know and so you if the, you know there are ways to do it and i'm still trying to learn it so you guys you know i'm still trying to learn this <laughs> but i think um you know i think when you take on partners they just got to be the right partners you sort of get it and trust you and yeah. um and also, when you're going to make a movie that, you know, like when I was on the road for four years for running the coast, you know, I'd have to do that in between my day job. So I'd use my vacation time and go off or I'd take or I'd take more time and I'd just go off and down the road. And so there's a lot of juggling sometimes that's um, that's involved in, in that scenario. Let me ask you this, Jay. This is a pretty um, an open question. It could be answered any way, but. Why are you doing this? What was the motivation to, like you said, leave New York? Yeah, I lost a bet. That's what happened. So I uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "You got to go make fishing films." What? And, um, <laughs> not a chance. So essentially, I just figured that what I knew I had to do was make films, and I and I essentially picked a lane to do it in, and I figured this is a lane that hasn't that I could actually have an effect in, you know, most of them, you know, skiing already had Warren Miller, the NFL already had, um, you know, NFL films, you know, <clears throat> Nat Geo had already done the Africa business, but fishing was still relegated to sort of a weekend hosts. So when mm -hmm. I first started this, there was no such thing as a fishing film. So I thought, let me tell my stories. Let me get in there and bring back the magic that I felt was missing. And that sort of became my modus operandi, I guess, to see if I could do mm. that. That became my sort of, you know, reason to try the, to forge ahead. The magic. Interesting choice of words. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I mean, anyone, I mean, well, I, I shouldn't, I, I want to go real, really quickly back on what I just said there by anyone, because creating a, a fishing film isn't a matter of, um, or, like, you've, you're still relegated to, the eccentricities of um, of fishing, you know, tides, weather, uh, you know, right. ability of people, especially if you're the one behind the camera, you're going to have to find someone who can illustrate what what you're, you're thinking. I guess you could say, but um, um, the magic aspect of it, like to, to get actual fishing and someone actually catching a fish, is one thing, but to, to create that feeling is that was that part of the uh, original, uh, well, part of the MO, like you're saying there, but um, but would a big part of the original motivation. Yeah. I mean, I felt like since I'd done it, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd bone fish before I did the bone fishing movie, you know, I'd tarpon fish before that. And I thought, you know, I can take this and I can make this into something worth watching more than once. I mean, essentially if you're going to make something, it has to be something you want to watch more than once. A TV show is something you watch once and maybe you watch it again later. But a movie is something that you, put on the shelf and then you watch again at some point 
And that means that every frame has to be right for color, sound, composition, and light, and structure. And so it's just that challenge is where that, that indefinable thing comes in, that subliminal, that makes you get a feeling when you're watching yeah. it. There's no loose ends. You know, there's a lot of loose ends in, in outdoor shows, and you just take it for granted. Oh, that was a little weird. Your, your brain picks it up. But you don't think about it, but it's there. Mm. And as we smooth this out, so you forget, forget all those things. You know, we're, we spend just blood, sweat, and tears removing this, removing things so you get lost. You know, and if you saw the sausage being made, you know, people always say, oh, let me take a look at the movie. Let me come by and take, I said, you know what? I'd say one week before that thing is completed, you would be like, Jesus, what a mess. <laughs> so until you literally put the last piece in, it's, it's almost, it's the magic still not there until you find that last musical note, you know, until you fix the color to you, do you just do those little last thing? That's when it jumps up and you sort of go, okay. Um, you know, that's, and that's, that's the fun part when it's done. That's the fun part. <laughs> well, who do you, who do you show these to? How do you know, how can you put a measure of this to say like, you know, either, either you're going to be not showing anyone and be a hundred percent confident what you're putting out. I've got no, no, no qualms in the fact that you probably do that. But if you're going to show it to one person, would it be a filmmaker or a fisherman? Who, whose opinion would you take more highly before putting a, a fishing genre film out like this? Okay, well, it's a good question. Um, there was no no one but me on Rising Tide. I just released it. There was no one but me but for Chasing Silver, no one for Location X. Actually, yeah, no, there hasn't been, except for when I ran them by the – when we did the uh, short series for ESPN, which were these little specials, these shorts on bass that mm. we did. Um, yeah, I've always just trusted my, trusted my gut um, and just, you know, it's – the problem is, is when you're playing that many roles, including your own audience, you just, you know, my, I look gray went by the end of it. Like I just <laughs> like, it's not pretty. I'm just like, after doing all that, then I screen it essentially for myself. And then I have to be my own worst critic. And yeah. I'm like, you know, no good. Come back in. We're not done. Come back in. We're not done. Everyone's like sighing. And, you know, let's one more time. It's not good. One more time. It's not good. It's not good. And then you just get to a place where you literally don't think you can find any more errors. Um, yeah. And then you just collapse. And then you just hope you guys watch it. And yeah. thank God you guys found it. I don't even know how the hell you found it. I don't know how I found it. I think it was, for me, it was Chasing Silver first. And then was so impressed, yep. went back and found and searched for a rising tide. Correct. Yeah. That, that was for me too. That was for me too. Um, getting back to that creative process like do you ever is there ever a big difference between how something looks to you when you're recording it versus how it looks in the studio and then and then how it looks when you put it into a film and you think oh shit i gotta re-go and do that another time does does that change does that come with experience believe it or not it doesn't happen very often the only time it happens i'm not gonna name names um but someone assured me that they could see a fish through the lens and the polarization that we had chosen. We, I had one camera, they had another. And yep. we got in the studio. I was like, oh no, I can't see it. Oh no. Then <laughs> um, that's happened. There was one other time when the camera was turned off that I didn't know about. Um, so we had to sort of deal with that in editing. 
So this is all in the same movie. <laughs> so yeah. I'm not going to say which <laughs> scenes and where this happened. But uh, that was that was a tough road for me. But um, generally, that doesn't happen. Like if I'm right there and watching it, it's, it lives up to what I expect. But occasionally, I, I had some surprises when the, when I got the footage from the other camera. That was a sort of sad day. How uh-huh. many? Sorry, but also I was yeah, mommy, interject a little Go. question here. How how many people were involved in in search for a rising tide? Um, as in see, the production side people? of things. Not not, so, not the people in front. You mean just to get it made well? Yeah, um, well, I mean, like you know, you you when you travel to this destination, how many people did yeah. you bring with you? So it was just myself and another camera guy. And, yeah. And what about in um in um you know in in Same. the editing stages things it's just just you then like you, you ditch that the camera guy and then just sit in a dark room and put, <laughs> pull this together. Him. <laughs> well, he was well. That's another story. I guess we're here for stories. You know, you guys can you know occasionally I'm gonna I'll share what I can share here. But um, so. Remember, no I one's actually, listening, Jamie. Just, just let like, it. Yeah, rip. that's what I have to keep yeah. reminding myself. Yeah. <laughs> no one's listening. <laughs> um, so, do you guys know who Oliver Stone is? Heard yeah. of him? Yeah. Yeah. So he's an American filmmaker. Anyway, his one of his editors was a friend of mine, and so um, she at night would edit with me, and she knew nothing about um, fishing, and so that's generally what I I don't. I generally bring people in my projects that don't know anything about fishing because they don't get all distracted and worry about it. They just trust me. And so I brought in an editor and um, she ended up helping me very much make that first movie come to life. We used a, a, a studio in LA, which was, I should not have been there, but she and I were sort of dating, I'll say. And um, that was, I guess that was a nice, nice part of the partnership. But the, um, the final product was only 22 minutes. It took months and months and months to make. And um, for the most part, uh, it was only four by three aspect ratio. So if you go back now, is that crazy? You know how things were. You didn't even think about it. But the, mm. but the borders of it would be, would be within the normal screen now, which is 16 by nine. So lots changed. And it was standard definition. So, mm. um, but at the time... Um, it was it was great. It was the technology we had. It was a, the Canon cameras before HD. So it was a, there was were ex- big technology, but that was uh, 20, 20 some years ago. Things changed quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twenty years ago, yeah, <laughs> twenty years you wouldn't have given it a second thought. You'd be totally thinking digital and stuff like that. But for some reason now, you think of clipping film and crap like that, splicing and yeah. stuff. But you know, yeah. But um, yeah. it was definitely definitely available then. But uh, what uh, I mean, are, are you still editing on the same sort of equipment that um, as back then? I mean, I know there'd be a lot of technological advances, but you know, I'm, I'm guessing you're not using like um, Adobe Elements or something like that, you know, to edit with. Well, Premiere, I guess, is what we're what we're in now, and the yeah. Avid was what we used to deal with back then. I remember taking the tapes. We had a whole room full of tapes from chasing silver those giant hd tapes and then i would get um proxy tapes of them that i could actually edit with in hd i mean in sd and then we'd transfer them back they'd take the time code and they would transfer those back through machines they would pull the time code from those big tapes and give us that time code and then we'd make that into a movie i mean insane right um 
No, it would be on my knowledge, but just... it does sound labor laborsome, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, it was scary. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to send off the cut, and then they would have to try to match all the time code digitally, and the machines would have to find it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There's a lot, a lot of trust in the technology there at that time, oh, right? Yeah. 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 Big time. Yeah. So then I just made the a recut, re-release Chasing Silver as HD. So that was one of the virtues when the technology is available to actually release it in. Because the DVDs were were um, SD, they were higher form because they were, you know, but they were still had to be compressed for the DVD. And then the um, streaming is HD, which is nice. It's, it's nice so people can see all the all the detail. Mm. All the good stuff. So just um, just quickly, this this bit's unscripted. If if we if we download if we buy and download your movies from your um, from your web page, um, people will get the HD experience, right? Yeah, all the movies on the howardfilms.com page, which is, I think was what I sent you guys. Yep. Um, Chasing Silver's HD and um, Andy's Return is HD and Running the Coast is HD. And uh -huh. I think I think Bass the Movie is as well. But I think the early ones, I think Location X and um, Rising Tide were not full HD. Right. Was, that was, was a technical error on my part. I could have shot Location X in a HD, but it was right on the edge when I first did it, and I didn't didn't make the move. I should have. Mm. You know, you mentioned earlier about like um, getting the fish in shot through a polarized lens and being able to see the fish. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I don't know if I, I kind of get. I don't know if you couldn't possibly be disappointed with all of that. I suppose when you're, I'm not saying saying ah, I know you're talking about a particular situation, but. I guess I wanted to mention how well you captured that. And I guess that uh, your cameraman or, or, or if you were taking the footage, I mean, you'd have to be have the eye of an angler to, to take that footage, right? I mean, have you ever had non-angler cameramen trying to get their head around doing that? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's sort of like the infamous opening to Chasing Silver with those aerials of the tarpon. Yep. which no one no one had put on TV before us, which really sort of helped launch the whole the whole production company. And people saw that, and that really kind of lit everyone up and really kind of helped us take off. But that was done by just bartering with a shoeless guy and his ultralight down in the Key West Harbor um, <laughs> for cigarettes and beer, sent him up, the guy in a bad tan. I put on the guy in the back who was used to shooting ski films, and I said, you know, just when you find him, put the uh, – Sony 900 down there and um, I'll, I'll edit it. And so they went off and, and they came back about a half hour later and they had, uh, they had enough for us to use. And they, I think we were the first people to find them. Now it's commonplace to go up in drones, but at the time their drones didn't even exist. Mm. I, I don't know where I saw, like I, was, I was actually watching chasing silver last night. I haven't probably watched it for about 10 years or something, but that was great to watch again. It was awesome. But there was some, I can't remember where it was, there was some scene where you can see the shadow from the ultralight, but it's not in the intro. It's not not in the intro there, but uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe it was on the, I don't know. Does, does that ring a bell? Where, where, where you left that hmm. in? Hmm. Did you not know about that? If I did, was it Chasing Silver for sure? I can't remember. I, I mean, I, you, you kindly said been, We might have done it, because sometimes we've done it on purpose because we thought it looked cool. Oh. I think it's in Andy's Return. I've got that on DVD. I was watching that the other day. It might have been in that, actually. Yeah, that one. Um, 
Yeah, sometimes we'll do something like that just because we sort of like break the third wall and say, hey, look, or we'll show the cameraman on the boat or, you know, all these things to sort of keep it, keep it fresh and, um, you know, kind of just keep it, make it have that feeling, you know, it's not, you know, overly censored. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to catch up. I was just going to say, I was actually referring more to not so much those aerial shots, but the, 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 the cameraman taking footage of the fish before they eat from the boat right yeah no that was we've definitely gotten our share of that that's been we've gotten really lucky on that that was um you know back in the day we know we shared those old remember those old vintage films that we'd mix in there yep that was sort of the inspiration i I went down to the igfa library and i went into the library and they were kind enough to share these old films you know from the i'm not sure when they were maybe the 30s 40s um and i would um use those as sort of mix those in for for texture and historical background and then we'd find our modern fish and our fish we'd have to sort of show an improvement on that and with our with our footage so that was kind of a fun place to start and Mm. um yeah we could get those eats in the location actually could see them eat like swim right into push poles or those fish coming along you know the banks and um you know it's just you can see why you can see why it seemed like it'd be a good film subject you know um Mm. it lends itself to it's sort of a natural it's a star as they say it lends itself to the camera yeah Um, it's well it's it's that magic you know like yeah for an angler to watch that's one of the best things about fly fishing is that that second before a fish eats it's fucking awesome i love it you know and it's um and either whether it turns the the whether it turns away or it makes the eat like to capture that in um you know in, on film and to see the fish mood change somewhat um <laughs> that's um that's that's rare footage really at the end of the day it's it's hard it'd be hard to get you don't see many films even these days they'll they'll get footage of the of the angler hooked up just after the mm-hmm, hookup mm-hmm. not not that moment it's I still can't think of a film I've seen or a short or a, a vlog or anything like that, where anyone's got that footage in that much detail, particularly with tarpon. E, yeah. 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 I, yeah we, I, were, we were lucky. And again, I think it also helped that, um, you know, we were poking around down there before anybody else was really kind of, you know, messing with them too much. We, we kind of would, we'd talk to people and we spent a lot of time before we shoot anything, talking and researching, talking and somebody else say, Hey, I know a place where I think you can get that shot. It just comes from sort of foot, you know, footwork, mm. you know, going down, talking about it, talking. About, we talk about these things so much before we shoot. And so I so, say, hey, I know where you might be able to do that. And so in your brain, you're kind of putting the stuff all together before you shoot by just talking to people and sort mm-hmm. of thinking, okay, I think that'll be, that'll be the goal when we go there and that'll be the goal when we go there. Um, you know, just and sort of knowing these sort of special moments are sort of going to be sort of your linchpins along the way. Mm. And you wake up in the morning and say, okay, let's hope today's the day. Mm. You know, we like we did that worm hatch. Um, you know, that's another one of those things. That was kind of a crazy day. We're, we're catching them in the middle of like a, you know, a storm. <laughs> this with Tom, Tom Rowland. That, that, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And he just said, I think I got the day and the time. I said, all right, I'll show up let's go it happened to be a crazy storm but we just we went out and so that became from some of our conversations prior knowing that was going to be on our list so um 
yeah, it's it's good to it's good to to look ahead when you're dealing with the wild kingdom because yeah. there are patterns there for sure. Yeah. Hey, hey, Jamie, it feels like we might be jumping back a little bit with this question, but it's something I definitely want to ca- cover. Um, um, your your movies were like seminal. They were so, um, and in my opinion, if I can give you a compliment in, in front of everyone, it was so far in front of everything else that was around at the time, both in style and in quality. Um, you pretty much set the standard there. Have you... Have you come across many people you you felt like maybe had attempted to to copy, um, you know, some of the concepts and some of the your styles in in movies? Um, and if so, did that really affect your creativity or motivation to create even more of those? Well, thanks for saying that. I I guess I'm. If I get your question, you know, are you saying is it? what what have i seen as a sort of a legacy effect from the from the yeah. project yeah, yeah yeah did 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 you feel like you know obviously in any industry you'll see a lot of me too's come along you know someone someone will crack something really good um you know you see it in fly tying fly materials you know right. something like that you know you know new rod materials somebody gets it everyone else has something you know like it's did 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 your competitors or did people sort of come out and you know, copy what you'd done or felt you felt like that copy. You know, it's, it's hard. It's a hard one to put your finger on because, you know, the floodgates sort of open as technology came. So there was a, you know, in many ways we sort of helped get this sort of fly fishing film idea off the ground. People were all sort of doing it roughly at the same time. And they did this little exhibit at the, um, in the IGFA hall of fame. I think it's out in the Midwest somewhere. I think it's, I can't remember what they, it's one of the Bass Pros. It's pretty cool. Somebody sent me, but they put a couple films in that, and they they built a timeline, and they showed how, you know, our first couple were at the start. And I guess technically, maybe that helped other people, mm-hmm. um, or maybe it was coincidence, you know. But I, it's it's that's a really hard one to quantify. You know, I don't know. I know like we influenced people wanting to go tarpon fishing. <laughs> Like sure I know, mm. I know that we sent people to Keys for better, for worse, and I think that's why I've always tried to make sure that my films were always respectful of the fisheries. Like I don't like to wander into, say, freshwater fisheries with a camera and blow up a spot. So, so a lot of times when I go out west fly fishing, I don't really bring a camera, um, but I feel like in the salt, it's more of an effort, and so you're not necessarily you feel a little better about it. But there's definitely that component. So. Long story short, I, I I know that we've affected um, people in, in regard to to anglers. Now, in regards to fishing films and the others, you know, I mean, I've seen a couple things here and there, but you never want to sort of claim anything, you know. Yeah. I'll yeah. I'll leave that up to you guys. I don't know, but it it was um, it was it sort of opened up the floodgates for fish on film that weren't TV shows, but I'm. For a long time, I guess what we were doing was still different enough because um, there was a, it was a weird little niche that I was in. I was creating films that were sort of like specials, and then they would go on TV, and and then they would also go on DVD. No one really was doing that. I'm not sure anyone is ever did that after because I don't do it anymore. It was just a weird little niche that I filled for a while. 
Mm. Um, so anyway, probably not my best answer. I probably need a little help there, but <laughs> that's sort of how, my top of the head. Hard one to answer. It sounds it's it sounds like it sounds to me with that answer that you're given based on Valti's question that um, uh, and based on what you've said so far, you're kind of running your own race. You know, like it's um you know your well, ideas. It's a weird are in, little lane, maybe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you're president of that lane for sure. You know, let's put it that way. If there's people following you, like uh, you're spearheading. You know, you could put it that way. I think that'd be fair to say. I, I don't mean to make you feel uncomfortable with a barrage of compliments, mate. But um, um, but I mean the fact of the matter is, as we've as we've highlighted in the show, you know, there was no running that run. Um, um, there was no in search of a rising tide before in search of a rising tide. Let's put it that way. Yeah. 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 That was the Bahamian film and it, and it felt like we were doing something different because when people, it goes back to the idea that the TV hosts, you know, there'd always been guys that would fly down there. The white American would fly down. There'd be this quiet guide on the back of the boat. And then this model was to get rid of that guy and make those guys and then just follow them, mm. you know? So then it became just by its very nature, it was its own organic thing. So you're looking at something taking place. You weren't sort of watching someone tell someone to do something. And then he's telling you at home, I'm about to do this. You just ride along. Yeah. And um, that was the paradigm shift. We just got rid of the host basically. And we went, we followed people doing what they did best. You know, well, that's, that's the guy. I guess that makes it uh, a documentary slash movie, I guess, because yeah, it's written at the same time, I yeah. guess. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's its own little hybrid where you're kind of using reality, but then you're editing it with, with um, narration and music to create this heightened feeling that I think that's what the anglers are seeking. They're trying to find this because God knows we'll watch a fishing film, but we'll also watch a fishing show because mm. we're just fishermen. <laughs> we want to just, we want to see someone catch a fish, but yeah. we do kind of notice when maybe it's a little different. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah, Jamie. Something I want to circle back on to a, a little snippet of what you just said in regards to Volti's question, which wants to, I want to lead on to something else because um, you said that you don't want to walk into an area, particular. You said mentioned in freshwater and particularly and blow it up with cameras and stuff. You couldn't get a better um, like product of that than Location X. Really, at the end of the day, like it, that. <laughs> what you just said then, that that small sentence is Location X essentially. And now I understand that's not. It may not be. It might have been the motivation for the movie, which I want to. I want to understand this in, in shortly, um, because the concept of of having this this place that is so epic and and portrayed as so epic, uh, and 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 hidden essentially location X was such an awesome concept, and I kind of wonder um, how this came about. Like, did did the idea of um, not revealing the spot be the be the catalyst or this or the concept of like hey we've got such such an awesome fishery let's let's screw with people and uh, and have this position this this fishery that no one people are going to be guessing where it is for ages right i hope i'm coming yeah. across right there but uh, i think the concept of how you got you guys must have sat down someday with someone and gone you know what i got this idea for this place that fish is so epic um let's hide it and document it or, or, or something like that you know but and, yeah yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it was definitely not a chicken of the egg thing. We didn't say we want to do a film where we hide the location. Let's go find the location. Yeah, it was more organic than that. We said, look, 
the next spot we do, we found something that we think is pretty good. And it just sort of led us into that concept, which is like, what if we did a film where we just didn't talk about where we were mm. <laughs> and we let the audience get swept up in something. And then, you know, there was like maybe a couple of visual cues for, for people who might have recognized it. And then that was about it. And basically the idea was out of just, it was supposed to spread the idea of respect fisheries, just celebrate fishing for what it is. You know, it was like, it was sort of like a weird pre social media message, which is you don't need to, you don't need to sort of like, you know, go crazy on social media um, and post everything. And that was sort of what this idea was like, what if we just celebrate the fish? It's not even about the anglers hardly. It's just about the fish. And could that be interesting? You know, mm. and, that, well, and then it just sort of unfolded. Yeah. Did you get an absolute tidal wave of emails and messages of like, <laughs> come on, what have I got to learn? What have I got to pay to learn where this is? I, I recall a couple where people were telling <laughs> me where it was. Oh, yeah, okay. And they, they weren't right, but they were very, they were very, um, you know, certain. And they were telling me basically like, you know, with much vim and vigor, like, hey, listen, I, I'm nobody's fool and this is where it is. And I just said, okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> you got me, right? But uh, yeah, I didn't. Yeah. Let I me didn't know how you go to... when you get there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah have fun. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. Um, you know, and I think the anglers, to their credit, did not uh, promote it. They did not talk about it. Um, now, the the people on the ground there elected maybe to do some self promotion, which was their their right. Um, that's how it became more of a mainstream thing. But um, the guys involved in it were not, including myself. We all just were like, "Yep, ah, we're out," and that's that's what it is. Oh, yeah. that's that's epic so, uh, yeah. yeah it's it's gonna be i mean that's that's an incredible film jamie like it's um it's just the whole concept with it and the way it's filmed and bringing your style to that concept such a cool idea yeah very cool yeah, and it was great to have um greg vincent in there because he's you know all those people were chosen not just because they were tarpon experts but because they were good people who were going to do something they hadn't done before and we were going to expose them to it. So that was the other thing is it was a little bit of a break in form for me because I normally do the best guide on the best day in his best place and then just sit back and let it unfold. This was like people who are accomplished anglers but were being taken into somewhere. Well, Tom was was accomplished tarpon angler, but um, Greg Vincent and Rachel were not. And then you sort of see what lets people see what it'd be like to be there if you were an accomplished anger, but we're not a tarpon expert and lets them, if you were mm -hmm. dropped into this paradise, what would you do? You know? Mm -hmm. And so you see, and then Greg's story about his brother and the passing of his brother. There was a mm -hmm. lot of, um, you know, there was a lot of emotion in there too. So it was, uh, I'm glad that they got, they were part of that. That, that was the next question that we had lined up was how, how did you select these angles? So that was where it was, come from a bit of diversity and um and the concept of what would you do if you were plopped into this place yeah 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 i think there was a, f a good deal of time spent like i said i always spend way too much time before i do anything um probably my personality flaw but um i think that um these people in the end were, were perfect and we sort of lay that out in the beginning they came from different regions and they all were the type of people that were just not 
not the type they were just going to run run out and promote it they were just not going to do that so i thought this is the right group you know mm. a guy and who lives um basically in you know he's an ex he lives in the bahamas and mm. uh, south america another guy who's um a, a guide and the keys at the time and um and a woman who lives out on the west coast so it was that's how they were chosen where i wasn't trying to go and do a, a you know a sh cowboy shootout for best tarpon angler we could have done it that way mm. um yeah who's the best let's see who can you will put you in here with your golden gun and see who's the best but it wasn't that wasn't the way we were doing it mm. yeah you know? look i think it really worked as chris said um you know that with the with the blend of anglers that that you that you had there um you know rachel um she was she did it really well um you know greg obviously is a bone bone fishing guide in the bahamas and i i really like the i don't say the the frailty of it but you know when he had the backup outfit that was short on backing you know, <laughs> he, yeah yeah it yeah. was really cool it added added a nice bit of drama um yeah and, yeah i think everyone would have been like come on man yeah, come on. yeah. <laughs> chaos total chaos come on, dude. i mean honestly watching it in red in, in sort of years later as i did recently just to kind of brush up before we spoke you know just to see that fish eat and eat and eat again i mean that is sort of agony and um yeah whether yeah. you're an angler or whether you're a guide it probably was painful for people to see that but you yeah. know um they were all accomplished anglers in their own right and things happen i mean Tom Rowland's a great tarpon fisherman, so he was obviously the the, the voice of the group. Um, but even he had some things to contend with, um, whether it was you know a fish breaking off just without breaking the line, or his strange need to not get his socks wet, um, <laughs> and fish fish Indian style. Never seen that before. Don't know what that was about. But um, does he you know, still do that? I guess so. I mean, I could care less if my socks get wet because they're going to dry in the hot sun. But yeah. I love when people's sort of eccentricities come out. And all these movies, in one way or another, are going to reveal that because you can't help in the heat of the moment being yourself. You know, you can't be scripted. You know, you're going to, Andy's going to yell. He's going to eat his cigar. He's going to curse. Tom's going to, you know, try to hide his socks from the water. You know, <laughs> it's just, you know, and, um, you know, even going back to rising tide, you know, with Andy Smith sitting on that dock talking about his dad and his broken rod as a kid in the closet. I mean, everyone's got a story to tell and you're just trying to make it. So you strip away the, the artifice and let people, you know, mm. be themselves. Do you think the human still exists? Humor, the human, the human. Yeah. From uh, the, the big bonefish. Oh, the human. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was actually sitting on a dock. Because I was thinking about the other day. It's like some of my best fish have been caught on foot. And I was on a dock at the Bang Bang Club. And I don't know where everybody had gone. And I saw this thing coming down the line. And I cast out to it. And I'd be damned if the thing didn't turn and eat. And it was <laughs> just ridiculous. And in true Bahamian style, as that thing started to strip off all my line and i started yelling get the boat get the boat get the boat i could look in and just see in the darkness of the screen inside i could see crazy charlie andy's dad the famous guy i could just see the the embers of his cigar as he was studying me not moving an inch <laughs> 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 uh, 
debating, <laughs> debating whether it was worth <laughs> saving me. And then finally he yelled something. There was a kid that was working there. He said, rah, 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 Javago. And so by the time the kid got down, started up the skiff, and we, the thing had gone all the way to the other key. And I think it was, I was just, it was spinning. I think I was just about down to my last couple of yards. And by the time we got the boat turned in the right direction, it was, it was gone. But that would be, there are fish like that down there wow. um, that will just blow your mind. Now, you know, um, the human, yeah, he's down there. Don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah that's a that's famous it. that's a famous reference yeah that was the, <laughs> the human <laughs> we say me and Volta go fishing together be completely different species and it'd be like oh did you see that fish and it's the human <laughs> <laughs> yeah those those guys are great they're great yeah. down there the nicknames for fish and everything they've got it's just epic <laughs> there was another one who's another one there's the the human there was another one what was the other one i think oh i can't one. remember i can't remember any um, the humans one that stuck with me like the concept yeah, of this yeah. this fish being the size of a person yeah <laughs> mr i think it was mr something but anyway i can't remember mr sumpkins or something was another one but the, oh yeah that's was, ringing a bell. like oh yeah is that the one they call the human yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> man so epic so epic i mean such a great story to capture I mean, for those guys that sit on that bench, that's probably a common story. But for for for, for audiences in Australia, like that's that's dinner plate eye sort of stuff, you know. Like the, <laughs> to hear that stuff, it's um, it's epic. It's so cool, Jamie. It really is. It must yeah. have been such great job satisfaction to to re, to record that stuff and just have it in the can. Um, yeah, be pretty cool. That's yeah. for sure. Well, it wasn't until now, twenty years later, somebody tells me something nice, I can appreciate it. So thank you guys for oh, thank you guys for oh. watching. Glad we can help you relive it. It's uh, yeah, yeah. Glad somebody we, saw it. Yeah, <laughs> with almost twenty years since. Well, Alex was maybe fifteen or, or so years back. But are you aware? Are you? Do you feel like some of these secrets secrets are best left untold, or would you like be willing to 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 slip maybe who the guides were on Alex or or anything like that? Maybe even where it was. Oh, we got a pretty no. good idea. We do. I think, I think yeah. it gets into the water, is my impression. And I yeah. think what's fun about it, or not fun, or whatever you want to say, is that the fact that it's we never said anything. Yeah. And, it, and yet these things filter out. And so, uh, you know, that was, so it was yeah. like we decided to make a project, and that to this day is still what the project was. And then it kind of gets out by if the guides want to say anything, um, yeah. to do some promotion that they think would help their, you know, career. Um, It'd be so hard not to to be involved in it and not say anything. Exactly, and so that kind of became sort of a career strategy that we mm. we said, well, you know, that's that's fine. Yeah, mm. yeah. yeah There's no there was no NDS. Ah, yeah, no, no, there wasn't. But um, you know, it'd be interesting to see. I also feel like since the locals, probably some of the locals who prefer it to be going by the name of Location X. Probably we're not excited about um, some of the, in, the some of the promotion that took place afterwards. But I felt like I was always off the hook because I never said anything. Yeah. So <laughs> you want yeah. to say it then? Uh, no, but I know that you guys probably have places that you fish that are you know that's just the way fishing is, right? Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Get those spots, you know. For uh -huh. sure. That's what, what about, it's about? So you know. What about the guides? Can you, can we talk about the guides or not? For that one? Yeah. 
No. Yeah, because I probably shouldn't have said S at the end of that either, should I? Because it doesn't hint to that in the movie either, does it? No, but no, we could talk about any other guys. But yeah, that one is, it was always part of the story that we would, that they would, um, you know, not be promoted um, and that they would find their own ways. But yeah, I don't, I don't I totally respect that myself. That, yeah. But, that's yeah. totally cool. I'll tell you what, though, Jamie, like that's got to be. I, I I feel like I'm 99% sure where it was, I and mean, I don't have to talk about it on the show. But uh, like knowing what well, what I believe where it is, that that movie has got to be one of the greatest red herrings in fly fishing history. Eh? <laughs> it really does. Like that. Like the, yeah. <laughs> so good. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad. Yeah, I cannot remember whose idea that was. I'm not sure I can take credit for that. The little cues and miscues and stuff. But we, you know, it's late at night. We do different things. They make it into the cut, and then you know you guys see that kind of stuff, and it's um, but yeah, it was it was good. It may, it was um, I know what you're talking about though. Yeah, yeah. I love I love that little mariachi band. <laughs> yeah, there. you know that was that was a nice touch. Yeah, so, yeah, they were good. They were quality. Such group. a misdirection, man. Like when I, when I found out where Who it was, that like direction. It, oh, it was crazy good. So so well done. You guys must not, have so much fun. Direction. Sorry? It's not a misdirection. Okay. Well, maybe I'm wrong about where I think it is. I'll, um, maybe I'll run it past you when we're not recording and see what, see okay. what you think. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, all right. Well, then there, there you go. Well, that's well, that could be another misdirection, folks, if you listen. <laughs> we will never know. Yeah. No. <laughs> you know what? I, I, I actually don't want to know. I, I think as a child, like – Christmas got worse when I found out Santa wasn't real. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Jamie, let's swing it, mate. Let, tell us about, um, to, to us in Australia, I think it'd be fair enough to say that we were all introduced to Andy Mill through your movies. Why Why Andy? What, what, what made you sort of centre in on Andy with Chasing Silver and, and, event, and again with uh, Andy's Return? Well... Um, again, when I land on the ground, I don't know anything. I'm like an alien when I start and some people don't like it. Some people, I mean, I would say we sort of got blackballed when we first arrived in the keys. They're like, who are these guys and what are they doing here? And the people, when you walk around, you just get vibes, you get information. And at some point you go, okay, there's a filmer. Let's go. And Andy was, um, he's like, yeah, all right, let's do it. And I'm like, okay. So that's someone we're going to shoot with. He hmm. gets what we're doing. So you have to kind of, a lot of times in life, it's the energy you project is energy you get back. And hmm. so, you know, I talked to a guide and, and, I, and who I heard word of mouth. I talked to another guide and he said, oh, I fished Andy. Got to get Andy. So then I go over and talk to Andy. And so, you know, these movies happen through me going on the phone going on an email, going on the phone, and I'm just chatting. I'm just chatting like I'm chatting with you guys. And then my, then I sort of go, oh, mental note. I just heard something, mental note, oh. And so Andy kind of, you know, was was sort of, um, you know, as we cleared away the, the sculpture, he was still part of it because, you know, we shot many people. Um, it was a pretty grand idea. There was a something in the back of my mind at the time called um, – Riding Giants, I think that was it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've heard of that. It was a documentary no. about Laird Hamilton. Oh, yeah, the big wave surfer. Yeah, yep. and so I've always been a fan of his, and um, I sort of thought in my back of my mind, you could, I could do this for fishing. 
And so I was interviewing all these different people. And then, but at the end of the day, some people just did not make the cut um, for what happened with their fishing. They had bad luck or they decided that, you know, they didn't, they weren't going to fully support the project or so then at the end of the day, you look at it and you go, okay, what do we got? What do we got? And one of, one of them was like, okay, well, Andy Mill has survived all these different cuts. <laughs> so he was, it wasn't like I knew necessarily that he was the centerpiece until the end. And I was like, look at him. He's hidden here more than other people. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, it's easy to see. Like he's always got some crazy catchphrase when he's hooked up and it it's always works. <laughs> it's a, uh... It must, it must have been pretty, uh, you know, photogenic in that way, the way he carried himself on camera. Like he, he cast with, like, laser, laser yeah. sharp, and everything was um, really good. But he was a TV presenter, wasn't he, like, uh, prior to that, at one stage of his life, wasn't he, as well? Like yeah. he had some experience. So he had a background camera. in it. And so in many ways, this was sort of like him getting his career back. Like, he'd probably um, – as he said, he got sort of a, a, bur a jump of fame from this that he hadn't expected um, because he'd been sort of, he had his own show and he'd been hosting stuff for skiing on network television here. Mm. But this, this kind of little cult following and then he was at the center of that. Mm. And so that, that sort of meant that he was really kind of back and doing what I think he sort of allowed him to take all that skills that he'd acquired as a, as a TV host and then say, screw it, I'm going to do it my way this time. And we were like, yeah, we're not putting any constraints on this whatsoever. And so he's like, okay, I got this. You know, I, I know what I want to do. That's awesome. And I think he'd been training his whole life in many ways for that because he's like, he doesn't have to sell anything. He just has to go fishing. Yeah. And, and he was ready for that, you know. Well, a combination between you guys taught us so much, you know, like it's more than the fishing. Like early on in Chasing Silver, he's, he's, he's showing how you can – you know, lift a fish over a fly rod, you know, like with that bucket in the sand scene uh, on the table. Um, yeah. That's, yeah. That, was, that was epic. That was so impactful for um, for us in Australia to, it was to me, I can, I guess I can speak for myself in confidence, at least, you know, I mean, in, with all confidence, I should say, um, in, at least, you know, that it was, you learnt so much, you know, like the, uh, the, the, where we live over here, like I, I'm sure I've also agree, like it's it's huge saltwater. It's only saltwater. I've been fly fishing for well over 20 years now. I've never caught a trout, you know, and it's um so it's all saltwater mainly, you know. And so to see those those um the the the, the low rod angles and the lifting the fish and stuff and things that we we had to do anyway here to get them sort of confirmed because I don't know. I mean, Volta, you probably disagree. He probably read books and magazines and stuff. I never did. You know, I just got into fly fishing through friends and what friends had shown me and teach me and, and just time on the water and experience. Just for me to see that in film for the first time was, was awesome. It was it was great. It was it was confirmation that it was, you know, it was getting done right. This is what these dudes do. And it was explained. It was more than just um, you know, yeah. yeah. Um, um like things that we were doing to to improve our results without actually knowing why, I guess you could say, you know. So to have them explain like that was 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 cool. It was was such Good, good filmmaking, you know. I thought. Well, you know that that uh, that scene was actually Mother's Day. You know, who guys know who Chris Everett is, probably. That's Nikki's mom. Yeah, the tennis player. Well, that was him in the corner sitting there. Oh, um, I, you know what, Jamie? I I I told Volts, and I tried to do this before because I, I we know Nikki and Andy. We've had them. Yeah, we've had Nikki on the podcast twice now. We've had Andy on once, and um, um, and I I still talk to Nikki quite a bit. And I I, I took a screenshot. I took a message, and I was going to send it to him. 
Is this you, little tyke, in the in the corner? <laughs> and, uh, yeah. But he hasn't seen it since um since we were talking to you because I did it just about half an hour before we talked to you this morning. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, that was him. <laughs> That's it was Mother's Day, and he was very worked up about Mother's Day, and I think he was taking a time out because some his brothers had messed up his card or something. I can't remember, but uh, <laughs> it was it was it was a big moment there. So yeah, <laughs> That's him taking a time out. Is going it? on. It was yeah. him taking his own time oh. out. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> I was going to just yeah. use that as ammo against him on that. He's a real family man, even back then. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I just got to double down on something Chris sort of alluded to then, and that is um, the value of, of um, you know, video as a, as a medium for teaching. Um, like, you know, when, when you've, when you've, it's so much superior to, to you know, still photographs or, something like that you know like video is is as close as you'll get to to sitting there with andy himself tying his knots testing his knots practicing practicing his rod angles um you know so you know from 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 a point of view of um instructional as well as the aspirational aspects of those um of those videos to make you know people who hadn't done that fishing before to go there and do that you know it, it actually had had twice the value because you were able to see what you needed to do to succeed there. Uh, it was it was pretty good. It was a really good addition to those um, to those films. Hmm. I agree, Jamie. Yes, I was. I wasn't. Was that a statement or a question? I got. I, oh, sorry. I thought <laughs> we might have dropped out for a second there. Sorry, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I was trying to. I was taking it in. I was appreciating it. I was. <laughs> I was. I didn't want to step on your moment. I. I. I, I didn't mean to give you dead air. Yeah, no, you're, no. you're all good, man. We're just impatient. ADD is pretty prevalent in this podcast. No, it's yeah. totally fine. You could just edit that out. That weird pause, you may have lost everyone. Uh, <laughs> no, no, it's all good, man. We, uh, we don't edit. Put child of mine or something. Put some little music. <laughs> <laughs> we could do that. Yeah, that yeah. little guitar solo. Yeah, no, it's I could reiterate that as, as well for Bolts. Cut, yeah, he's sorry he's getting out. He's just complimenting you on the, on the educational aspect of, um, of um, what you've done in, in the form of video, really. Yeah, I mean, there was always a there was always an educational aspect to it, but it was it was always sort of had to happen within the confines of how I would teach you if you're if I was taking you to where I was fishing or if you were taking me. So it was never like a stop and teach thing. You know, it was never like now we're going to step to the side and I'm going to show you how to tie this knot and you're going to go to your refrigerator for a drink, right? So mm. it, it was sort of happening within the within the natural unraveling of it so when we shared that information it was that essential information that you really truly wanted to unlock unlock it it wasn't just like they weren't giving you some standard they were saying look if you want to do it this is exactly how we did it you know and so you know we had to test the, the weight with this bucket we we had to make this fly work we had to use a, a, a smaller hook you know, these fish were too smart. So mm. he wasn't just, it's not just a chapter and verse lecture that says, you know, I use this lure because this lure is the best lure. And if you fish this lure, I guarantee you'll catch fish, you know, and that's, that's the old style TV, right? Mm. But if someone's literally saying, you know, man, I just couldn't, I couldn't catch these damn fish until we changed to a smaller hook, mm. you know, and then. Mm. And I kept breaking them off until I used this bucket, you know, and then you're like, huh. And so you guys were taking that information in probably because of it was, it was so candid 
you know, and it was so essential to what they were doing, you know, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a lecture. It was just basically like a, almost more of a confessional, like, look, this is how, this is how it happened. Yeah. And I think that was, you know, with the movie unraveling, I guess the information that you're talking about um, became, you know, a useful part of that. Yeah. It was a perfect time to, to interject it into the editing, hundred percent. Like it's, it, it, yeah. you would, you would keep that in your mind as you, as you're watching, like you said, as as the movie un unfolded. You know, you're watching Andy as a, like uh, he's got the the fish near the boat. They're just about to land it, and, and you're watching him. And you're going, he's he's 100 doing everything that he that he spoke about there. Um, that was it. Was really cool. It was it yeah. was yeah, it was perfect. yeah. So I think you guys were in mind. That was sort of like these are very much niche movies. I mean, that the crossover of them to non-anglers may happen here and there, but we, you know, that the core was always there first. Like, what would you, what would I expect mm. when I watched? What information would I want? And occasionally you have to put in that information. And even though you could just take someone on a, on a fishing trip and get lost in it, those little layers of information, I think make it have value to, to all of us. It's, it's for the angler. Absolutely yeah, right. Exactly. It, yeah. yeah. I guess let's let's fast forward a bit now and like and and talk about sort of probably a little bit of your own growth as a filmmaker into you know running the coast because that aspect there is one hundred percent there as well. Like there's everything for the angler. Like it's I'm very when I watch a movie, you know, like I something's portrayed like that, I'm gonna be critical somewhat to like go on Im impress me sort of thing. You know, it's um not I don't open a movie up like in a, in a skeptical way like that to do it. But there's an element of, of <laughs> what I'm about to watch where I want to be yeah. impressed, you know? Um, yeah. And, and that movie definitely did exactly what location X did. Oh, sorry, not location, uh, chasing silver did in that aspect of the educational point, but you could watch that as a non angler and watch this story evolve of, of, of passion for a species that not only, um, yeah, that, that sort of impacts people as these fish run. So you, you're watching this, um, you know, this is almost like a historical point of view movie as well as from the fisher's point of view and the angler's point of view. It's incredible how you've tied that all in. I, I guess um, I hope I'm, I hope I'm um, putting this in well, a way cool that makes that you sense. You guys, you know, on the other side of the world are, you know, interested and, you know, taking the time to look at uh, look at that. I mean, that sort of says a lot about you guys in the culture. I mean, I, well, I sometimes wonder... You know, I mean, I know the Seychelles have captured a lot of our imaginations, but it's interesting that that our striped bass, which is sort of an every man's fish to some. I mean, I, some people take expensive boats, but it is reachable by foot for many. Mm. Um, can translate um, across the globe to you guys, and that that's that's a that's great to hear that you got to share in that experience of the migration. Well, it's funny we, that we went on. It's funny to say that as far as realistic expectations. There, like I'll be honest, it. It's uh, I I'm a I'm a fan of Howard films. Let's put it that way. You know, like it um, like I said earlier, Chasing Silver made me go back and look for anything else I had before that, and to find a chase in search of a rising tide. But I, I I must admit I wasn't in a in a super hurry to watch Running the Coast, although right. I knew I'd get around to it because it because it it was about striper, right? And I've got right. a because right. of where I live with salt my salt water fly fishing being such a big part of my life. Like I I ran towards Chasing Silver and Location X, you know, because um that 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 style of fishing has got such a huge influence on what we do here right. ironically so does striper you know like it's um like the pop flies and and then things like that as well like and 
can relate to some of the species we've got here, particularly barramundi and some of the Murray cod somewhat, um, mm -hmm. cold water lines and the tapers they've got for the flies and stuff. I knew I'd get there, but I was incredibly surprised at, um, at, at how, how it was put together and I'm kicking myself for not looking at it sooner. From a, from a fly fisherman's point of view, like these interviews, like we said, with Lefty Cray and Bob Popovics and, you know, you got Dave Skok, Skok there, or how do you pronounce Skok in it as well, and, um, you know, some, some of these epic, influential um, fly fishermen that, that tran transcend through species around the whole world, from even the Seychelles with GTs with some of the pop flies and stuff, but uh, incredible. Like, seeing footage of, like, striper-eating crab there in, in some of those northern states was was a was completely blew me away and such a surprise but i just think that the way that the whole story is put together like there's no you don't have to be a, a fly nazi to appreciate this you know those those two guys who hit it early season the guy with the big beard and those dudes who keep ribbing each other like <laughs> yeah that's tyler, such a cool, tyler. <laughs> yeah that, that's such a cool story in itself right there it's um you know and the way that they they they, they flow back in through the movie at at, at really good points of the of the migration story it was it was awesome man it was really cool yeah, I was just texting Tyler earlier, actually, trying to get some info out of him, but I haven't gotten anything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was just asking about stuff. Yeah, he's he's worked with me a while. I think he's sort of, um, I don't know. He and I work well together. Um, that's why I did the uh, Cobia film with him. Um, we're sort of on the same, have the same outlook. And I think when he became sort of the the beginning and the end of running the coast. I think it was because it was it was natural because the migration starts in Chesapeake mm -hmm. and ends there, and so that's how what it made those guys be sort of the intro, you know, the alpha and the omega of that whole crazy journey, you know, Tyler catching that massive one that you saw over the white sand, oh. um, you know, um, unbelievable, and then that, getting his buddy the into it on the fly. Fly guy, he got his buddy into the fly, a huge one on fly. But yeah, that one, yeah, at the end, yeah, yeah, yeah. epic. The thing, yeah. just that thing looked like it was headed to um, Europe, you know, with the, <laughs> the back and it was peeling off. Yeah, I mean, very, very rare stuff to be able to capture, um, and we got lucky because a lot of this, um, I don't think you can go back and get. It's just, it's crazy, like. I don't, it's just right place, right time. We spent a long time researching it and I went back just, you know, recreationally and I couldn't replicate that because the fish shift, they move, things change. So we just had, that's why we make these movies sometimes just to get them, get that document so people can see it at its greatest, at its height. And, um, you know, like my, uh, Montauk, um, you saw just that energy that happens and they all yeah. get on the point yeah mm -hmm. the blitz is unmissable it's just you've got to see it It looks fantastic you know do you guys have anything like that over there do you have your yeah. sort of bait blitzes what what do you, you get those right tuna mainly um tuna we, well you guys call them false albacore we call them vermin here mac tuna <laughs> vermin uh, <laughs> <laughs> um no they're oh, fun they're, they're they're great but uh -huh. the but they're what the real prize is it's kind of like i get the impression like mac tuna are, are bluefish to striper fishermen yeah and now striper would be comparable to longtail tuna very different species very very different mm -hmm. habits but right. the same blitzing and the same uh, migration i guess you could say uh, uh, following bait fish and such you know? we we get the australian salmon which is probably fairly similar to the um 
to the striper probably with a smaller mouth and without the stripes. Um, That's fair, they, yeah. Yeah, they can be, you know, they can be hit and miss, um, but, you know, they don't, they occur on the, you know, probably the the southern quarter of the eastern side of Australia, maybe, I guess. Mm. Uh, Do you have best. a fish that's sort of your uh, canary in the coal mine? I mean, striped bass, the health of the striped bass, since it's such an all-American fish, dating back to, you know, the turn of, I mean, the colonials times mm. and Captain mm. John Smith. <clears throat> Do you have sort of a fish like that where you have to keep it healthy, but it's always sort of under the gun and its population is rising and falling? Not not a blitz type species though, you know. Like it's more of a more flat species. Well, I guess I'm Australia is such a big place, Jamie. Like it's it's hard for me to relate to anything like that in the in the in the colder states, you know. Like Volty brought up salmon there, mm-hmm. they don't they don't exist where we live, um, mm-hmm. you know. So it's hard it's hard to say. I, I, that question could be answered probably better colloquially. I guess you could say like around the country, um, yeah. but I think that. Um, I think that a good measure. It's hard to say. It really is hard like to say. Like an Australian fish that you guys are conscious of trying to preserve that that has. Oh, it's down to interest too, you know, like because we want to catch fish in skinny water all the time. So when there's no fish on the flats because of commercial pressure or environmental mm-hmm. pressure, you know, that's mm-hmm. what we want. We want to see, but that might be different to. You know, old mate Barry from the pub, he wants to catch a feed with his family and just takes everything and catches bread and butter species that don't interest us either. He right. probably sees like, um, you know, uh, like a big change in um, those species due to those factors, contributing factors mentioned before mm. uh, that, that we wouldn't even notice because we don't chase those fish. But it's okay. just, as, just as important, I guess. But I guess from another angle, uh, is there a fish that polarizes Australians as iconic as much as yeah. This, mm-hmm. The striper looks in the, yeah. you know, in the US, maybe, maybe Barra? Barramundi. Yeah. 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 That's what um, I was thinking. I'd heard that occasionally. Yeah. 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 So Barramundi, snapper, you know, but a snapper's not really, you know, if you were to say polarized, it's, you know, it's a recreational, like a, a bait or lure fishing type target more than it's a fly fishing target. Um, snapper's like a big pink sheep's head, basically, like, you know, it could grow up to 20 pounds. Maybe bigger mm-hmm. thirty some some places, um, but yeah, that's just, that's just a huge recreational, um, you know, esky feeling. What do you guys call this? The cooler feeling species, you know, like it's that's that's what that culture is there. Like 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 Valti said that you're you're right though, Valti. Like that would be a good measure of of uh, of the health of a system to see the abundance of or lack of it of that fish for sure. But it's not something that you and I chase like would would aspire to chase. Like if you know, if we if someone said to us, "There's a there's a pile of permit um, uh, up at a certain flat that you know is a, is a turkey shoot," or you could go out and just you know fill your fill your cooler in an hour of snapper, mm-hmm. I would walk over those snapper every every second of the day. You know, so right, it just right. comes down to horses for courses, if you like, really like to mm-hmm. answer that question. It's a good question. You've stumped us, I'm sure. Yeah, oh, that's okay. Just curious. Yeah. Historically, we had um we had a we call them Taylor. You call them bluefish. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our tailor don't get quite to the same size as as bluefish, um, but you know historically there was a big run of those that went you know pretty much from oh yeah the border up to Fraser Island, so mm-hmm. uh, you know into our area. But it, it got fished out pretty hard. You know people sort of got onto this spawning migration and hit them right where they spawn in particular, and um, 
really flattened it out. Like, you know, judging by what, what, um, you know, people report these days versus, you know, historical accounts of, of their, um, their popularity, you know, people literally filling up trailers. And That's exactly like- what I, used, I, we used to have the migration. I used to take, I used to wag high school, go buy a, a block of pilchards and yep. it'd be, it'd be a fish on every block of pilchards and it'd be shoulder to shoulder on the beach. In one circumstance, Jamie probably, you know, like, I don't know if this happens in the States. I'm sure it does, but that particular run, like back then, like it used to be an annual thing. It would be on the news. It'd be, you know, the water would be black up and down the coast. But you just don't see it anymore. I can remember in one circumstance there um, watching pros hit it and, and hearing them reportedly catching 10, 12 ton of of these Taylor or bluefish in one go. Like it's, yeah, it's environmental factors have got a big, big role in Australia, but the commercial fishing, again, it, it, you're listening to who this is coming from. I've got recreational interests, but yeah, it's, it's it's changing. Let's let's say let's put it that way. There's a lot of there's yeah. a lot of net free zones that are starting to happen. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of reasons to create left free zones, whether they what under whatever guise that's under, but it's it's changing. That's for sure. But yeah, yeah like it's like Volk said, those those runs don't um, happen anymore. Okay, so th- there's that 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 all that's all something that's happened in the past over there, right? Is that like that's I mean, just like literally have like yeah. I mean, there's a book called Striper Wars because <laughs> you know people. It's some men's lives livelihood is is harvesting striped bass for for restaurants because they taste great. But um, the truth is, is that between the commercial take and then the recreational take, that it got to be to the point where that biomass got so low that they had to basically have an open war, and, and people were you know fighting their legislation. And finally, they found a, an environmental loophole that said, "Hey, look, there's an." These things, fish are not safe to eat. So that allowed them to actually close down the fishery and get a moratorium where you literally, you could not fish at all. And so when the moratorium ended and people started fishing in the 90s, um, they had an explosion. And that's what started the striped bass boom is it sort of put it wound back the clock and then everyone got into it because they started appearing in like, you know, estuaries and off docks and lakes and that sort of started this whole obsession in america uh doubled of what it was before they did the moratorium and now um again we're just trying to keep the population up because of the popularity that you saw and the people talking about it like lefty and others um they're just trying to preserve the fish along that migration i mean if fish cover a lot of miles Mm. you know yeah yeah it's a it's a huge migration it's um, yeah, I got that gist from from um, I didn't understand it like that with the striper wars or anything like that. But I hear people saying we've got to we've got to protect on your on your movie, we've got to protect it now. We can't let it go back to what it was. I hope we've learned our lesson and stuff. But I also heard someone say, which I agree over here as well, that the wreck fishers take so much. You know, like there's weekends where the waters where the where the weather's great, mm-hmm. and you'll see the car park completely spilling over out of the street, and you think to yourself, if every one of these anglers bags out and takes their bag limit uh, out there today when they very well could in at this time of year that's so much more than the than the pros will take you know yeah i mean that's that's the problem is everyone feels like they deserve a fish and everyone feels like they deserve maybe an extra fish it may not have been legal but uh you know it's just one fish and it's just the ocean mm. you know and then they start looking at the numbers and then it's unbelievable um you know how many stripers can be actually taken 
um, in a season. And then there's a mortality rate. I mean, I don't, I don't mean to bore you with this kind of stuff. But no, no, like, it's uh, not. You know, um, you know, it just gets to be a thing where we really are trying to. That's sort of the reason. One of the reasons we did the film is like um, it became a story within the story. It started out as just a celebration of stripers and the incredible ways you can catch them. And then suddenly along the way, it was revealed to us that the population was declining while we were shooting because it took us four years to make it. Mm. Um, and so literally that subplot started happening while we were shooting it. You know, they went down each year. Mm. Yeah. Man, it's, it's a, it's a fish that you, you, you captured well, the, the passion. Um, I don't, I can't remember the guy's name. Um, there's a, a, a dude who fished the Mon the blitz at Montauk, but you had him in the beginning as well. He's got a real strong Boston accent by the sounds of it, you know, and pa. He called oh, Bill Shulkin from Queens? Like the, I think that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's one of the crew in the wetsuit, yeah, at yeah. least, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, he was fishing with that dude who got the world record at the end there, uh, but he was fishing land-based. We normally fish the other boat, the, the, the ginger dude. The, uh... Do the ginger hair, I should say. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, yeah. Bill was Bill caught a huge one. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, he was but, he was a character. Yeah, well, I mean, he was even the, even him to talk about him, like talking about where he decided to play college football, or go to college, was all where the bass were. You know, it was, yeah. everything well, was about about the bass. Greg. That's Greg. Oh, okay. Yeah, and his famous story was there's there's a lot of characters in there, so I don't I don't blame you for the they're they're all going to get mixed. But uh, Greg's story was that he's sort of a sort of um, almost like uh, he almost has, you know, sort of on the spectrum, you know, because he was cleaning up and then he realized the the sound of the crack vials could be uh, yeah. as he was cleaning up the crack vials and he saw the glass and the crack vial and the sound it made. And suddenly he realized, oh, wait, I can put this in a lure and I can beat my friends when we do these fishing competitions because I can track more fish. And then he turned that into a vocation. <laughs> Yeah. yeah yeah it's 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 interesting man it was the whole yeah it was um it was hard to contemplate at the beginning of the movie i i, I must admit from from my point of view watching that but when it came around a full circle at the end when he was um before he went land base the last scene you saw him in the boat and he's talking yeah. about it there like fishing yeah. with um with the eels um yeah looked it was uh it made it was good how it came right around full circle the way you tie these things into the movie is 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 pretty cool and and you know what for a movie that that was so, was unusually long for a for a for a um fishing film there was no points of boredom and and to have to be able to realize that thing going around a full circle as well was so well put together in that i guess that's a testament to the to the quality of the story i guess you could say it was well, um, we, we spent a year editing it um and yeah. it was a it was a long tough year and i and i kind of was a little bit sheepish when i looked at the running time at the end and i said you know if people would understand could you know look view it as I said, you can view this in one sitting if you want. It's two hours and 40 minutes. Or you can view it in three parts by, by the season. We did it by season. And, oh. um, and a lot of people just ended up watching it straight through. But I said, you don't, you know, you, you don't have to do that. You, know? you yeah. can watch it and, and, and by season. And, and then there's others who look at it and go, whoa, whoa I can't watch that. I want to watch a YouTube video. That's... <laughs> That's, you know, four minutes. What the hell is this? So you have to, that's why I sort of push people sometimes. I'm like, why don't you just, why don't you just, just take a peek? Yeah. And then, and then you realize, okay, maybe there, maybe I realize why this is, 
what it is. I, I was one of those people. That was one of the things that was sort of making me go. I'll get to it eventually. Was <laughs> I don't I don't have over you know like two hours forty minutes to to watch it. You know, but right, I, exactly. and I was going to do it in sections, but I ended up just doing the whole thing, and it was it was seamless. Like it was it was easy to do. You know, it was great, and uh, and I've got ADD. Like let's put it that way. You know, it's uh, <laughs> I'm certain yeah, I do. It was made so, for you. you yeah, know, yeah, lots of distractions <laughs> along the way. Yeah. you know what i can't remember anyone's name as which is apparent from what i was talking about there but i do remember one guy's name and i do have a question for you do you think barry's ever going to get that cast to the left barry god i think i've got his name wrong i was lining up a there's a there's a scene i think it's um i think it's there in nantucket um again the names aren't going to mean much to me because i don't live there but um um and there is a a, a or a, a dude's pole and a, a, a skiff and the dude on the bow and and the whole time he's no no to the left no to your 12 o'clock no no just shouting directions at that poor dude did, did, is that ringing a bell i can't I remember think I, I, thought thought talking about. I got it i'm locked in now that was yeah. paul dixon and that was long uh, island yeah okay <laughs> so it's not barry <laughs> and it's not nantucket yeah. but he was on a skiff and he was <laughs> it all runs together that's why you get you watched a couple times it all it all fl- flow again I've only but, watched uh, it once. That, but, um, yeah, you yeah. watch it a second time because it's built. It's built for multiple viewings because you're going to pick up different stuff every time through. Yeah, um, multiple threads in there. That yeah, know. there's a lot of stuff going on in there, and yeah, that that bit with Paul, we had a good time bringing that out. That he was, you know, <laughs> <laughs> left, left, no, no, yeah. no. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> You're watching it, and you and once the scene's finished, you realize, oh, I can relax my hands now. You're actually gripping what you're sitting yeah. on. You know, you're like, oh, come on, dude, come on, yeah. make that class. <laughs> yeah, you see it swim away. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's fun. It's it's yeah. cool. Yeah, the um the footage on crabs, man, was that important to you to get that? Because that's something I've never heard of before. It seems le- like a lesser known form of striper fishing. Well, up in you know, there are places that, you know, a lot of these saltwater guides that have learned these striper flats have taken their permit knowledge and they've taken it up to the striper flats. And, you know, some people would argue that the stripers are as difficult as, as a smaller permit because they're so erratic. Um, you know, like a bonefish, you kind of know it's, you know, kind of know what it's going to do once you figure out its track. Mm. But, um, but, a a permit is you can sort of anticipate, but it's going to tilt and then it's going to do something weird and eccentric. And I don't know if your permit are as crazy as our permit, but like, yeah, they permit everywhere. I believe yeah. notorious, notoriously fickle and neurotic. And then mm. striped bass are similar, but you just don't know. It's so hard to kind of get on their track. But once you do, as you saw with that crab fly, you can fool them, but you can also get beaten up if you don't, land at right place right times right strip right right place so it's it's a true test yeah mm. that was good to share that to show you know we we stopped along the migration up there in maine which is about as far as we went and that was a nice bookend um you know and you come down a little bit the guys are flats fishing in nantucket you know and then you saw the guys in martha's vineyard they roped that big one on top um, that was that was pretty cool. Mm. Um, Those with the I teaser, there with the with the uh, hookless plug. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and so you just kind of 
you find these special things in each place. We sort of found the special thing. Let's do the crab fly here. Let's do the yeah. top water um, in the Elizabeth Islands. And so that's where we went to each place. We camped out and tried it until we found those respective things till we got them done. Mm. Yeah. The um the camp out at um at Montauk with the Blitz seemed like a pretty cool community. Like the yeah, there might have been in the in the outro, like in as you were transitioning out of the movie, talking mm -hmm. about the 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 food that they're cooking there, like a hundred oh, turkeys yeah. and <laughs> Two hundred pies. He says poise. That's the dude I was talking about earlier with the thick yeah. accent. That's that's who, that's the guy I meant. They got all kind of poise. Poise, yeah. <laughs> Cherry poise. <laughs> Sounded like a scene out Sopranos or something. It was yeah. yeah. He's awesome. <laughs> I've tried to stay in touch with him. He's kind of here, there, and everywhere. He drives for UPS, and he's all over the place. But but I'm hoping to cross paths them. But uh, yeah, there's a whole culture out there that that parking lot culture. When market when Montauk is right, people sleeping in their cars putting their trash in the trash bins, sharing a bunch of food together, getting up at, at, you know, ungodly hours, fishing, sleeping in their cars again, then getting up and eating a great meal, and they're just loving life, mm. you know. Mm. And people, everyone knows to be there at the, at, you know, when the end of the world comes together, the birds are there, the fish are there, the people are there, and it just all goes quiet when it's over, you know. It's just um, around, the, you know. November, people it just goes back to waves crashing on the beach and a few fish around, and it's all goes back to being quiet and the fish are gone. Jamie, there's one guy. I, I, I'm pretty sure he's only got a really short scene in this movie. And it's just an interview with him. Um, he's a dude who talks about like um, yesteryear. I guess you say like a, a, a while ago, like a, probably the development of um, uh, maybe not the development, but probably the, around the beginning of modern fishing from the beach for these things. And he's talking about how. Um, yeah, they used to be hard fishermen back then. It might be ringing a bell that I'm talking about now. But he talks about when he was fishing, he, he was onto a really nice fish. Talks about it being one of the, like a really big bass. He was stoked, and these three dudes walked in front of him, and they just cut the line, and he was pissed off. And uh, he talked about um, from that point on going to buy a wetsuit, and no one was ever going to cut his fucking line again, or something like that. He said, "And um, um, who is that guy? Why why we not see much more more of that guy?" Well, that was. Um... His name's on the film with him. Um, he's a famous, a famous fisherman, and he um, was actually had was deceased. Um, oh. That's why you didn't see anything more of him. Oh, that's um, sad. Yeah. Than that, and I'm believe it or not, and this is you're gonna have to help me out in the edit here. I'm blanking on his name, so you're gonna have to go pick up his lower third. Which yeah, is his identifier. Um, it'll come to me. In that's all right. Here, but uh, it, um, but that yeah, that's because he was um, his last name was Yi, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, it's yeah. coming. You'd have to mention because I've only watched the film once, and and you know when the name pops up on the screen, I had no idea the story was going to tell. It's only twenty second bit, you know, at best as you know, but. Man, the way, the way, just the way that he told it, like the way that you portrayed him, I guess you could say, like in that light and that angle, and the way he told it, it just, it was an, it was just an impactful short story. And I thought, I bet that dude's got a shitload of great stories to, to about things like that. He, you know? he, you know, that's part of when you're making a movie of this scope. Mm. You know, I started out, I thought I could get it all done in one year. Then I shifted two years. Then I thought I could get it done in three years. Then I thought I could get it in four years. Every time I came back, I'm like, crap. 
people are going to be beating you up if I don't. But all oh, the shore guys are going to say you left us out, and the boat guys are going to say you didn't do enough of us, or the fly guys are going to say. So I just kept going back, and then you know, and then I was like, I got to get some of these legends. That's when I found Jack Yee. That's the guy you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, that's him. Jack Yee, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he passed in 2015. And his story, you know, he was one of the originals, you know, and that's kind of one of these guys who, you know, was committed, you know, um, using an old cliche hook, line and sinker mm. to the sport. And those were the guys who kind of were the heart and soul of it. You know, they, mm. they had their accents from Jersey <laughs> and they, they'd take the drive up and they'd find a way to live there. And even if it was in their car. And there was a lot of, you know, codes of what was right and wrong. And no one would have done that to him, you know, once he worked his way into the lineup. But that was when he probably was the very first when he got there. It was a tough times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't think of it. Could you imagine it? Like, you know, you, you, you go through all that hardship. <laughs> you probably slept in your car, you know, after getting yeah. out of a wet, wet suit for days. And then you finally right. get that fish. And <laughs> right. these, two, these three thugs just rock up and just cut your line, you know? Yeah. The way around it, I'm going to go stand up to my neck. Oh. The surfing community will sometimes do that. And you hope you don't see it in the fishing community. But, you know, you're hoping that the community is, is better than that. But, Mm. as he pointed out he got his wetsuit and people now have wetsuits and some of the guys used to have you heard of skishing no skishing is when you combined um scuba scuba with fishing and they put on these they put on the wetsuits and they'd go out and they'd get a um and they would paddle out into the dark with their fly with their rod and they would off that point and they would hook up at all hours um to stripers they mm. catch them in the water and they and they'd come back to shore but that you can't do that anymore because the number of great whites because the number of seals have brought in enough great whites that, that there's not it was always a little dicey of a proposition no one could quite believe they were doing it um but now no one does it oh. because the, the the point of montauk would be would not be a great idea to be going at night just for us to swim well wow. There was a bit there where I know Volsi, you took a couple of goes to get through the movie because of time. But I remember talking to Volsi about, it, you got to get to the end, Volsi. Like, there's these exactly. dudes that come out and stand out in the, on the rocks there. And like, yeah. they're, they've waited out to, it to the end. Yeah, they've waited out to a channel. And, and like I'm saying to Volsi, like, they're talking about how they could be looking out the surf and then look behind them, the fishery blitz in there. And I think to myself, like, these guys have gone out through Chesty. What in Australia, some of the beaches here with the sharks and stuff, you you, you wouldn't, you just couldn't do that. Like, uh, and I was thinking, I, I don't know if you remember me saying me, Volts, so I'm like, uh, there's got to be sharks there, right? Like, I mean, there's, yeah. there's, there's that many fish there, there's got to be sharks. That, that, but you're saying there is, and they don't do that anymore. They don't well, wade out to those rocks anymore, yeah? For years, it was considered, um, you know, well, they made the movie Jaws in that region, yeah. you know, because the famous uh, sharks that were, you know, in, in montauk and martha's montauk. vineyard and yeah. but uh, you know and up and up on that whole area you know nantucket was famous for its sharks and all but for the most part no one really thought of it as an issue because it really wasn't but over the years the seals have come in and unfortunately there's too many of them and they're cute but there's a little too many and i mentioned it offhand in the movie you did we don't get into it too deep but <laughs> um the truth is is that um you still go out to the rocks but you don't go you don't go skishing which is to go out into deep water 
in it basically like a giant french fry and uh, <laughs> and wait and go fishing which people used to do at all hours because you know people think the biggest fish can be caught at uh at night and that's why mm -hmm. a lot of these veterans are fishing in the middle of the night they're finding a night tide and if they think the fish are coming in now what you saw was kind of weird how you saw what we did in the bright shiny day at the end of the movie that was a, a rare occurrence that we took a while to um research to be able to pull that off so you could see the whole thing like that yeah yeah, yeah I've, i'm not spoiling it. like the the end of the movie like that part left me wanting more uh, i don't mean to spoil i mean we're talking a bit about the movie i suppose but there's a scene there of some dude standing on a rock and and he can see a wave coming and he's fishing and he leans forward to it and it just sweeps him off and then he can see, <laughs> see the poor dude treading water yeah. and that and then you cut to that. I can't really guys. Now you cut to the guy. You, you could either catch a fish or die. Like those two things. That's right. That was great. Yeah. 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 So very cool, man. <laughs> yeah. It must be hard yeah. to sort of, to leave those gems to like right at the end. Sometimes when you're editing, like it's, it's so, it, there's such impactful statements that, you know, and like well, to right. couple it with a scene like that, you're like, Oh shit! Yeah, that dude. That dude. I mean, you know, what are you gonna do? Hang on to your rod or tread water? You can pick one. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, so the point is, to what is to your point is when you're making a like a movie and you're applying these cinematic principles to them. You know, in the other ones, you're withholding a lot of things. You're not showing things. You're you're not just going. You're you're waiting and waiting. And and in in the film world, you trust it because you've got a captive audience and people will wait. And you don't want to just, you know, kill them with the stuff. And then mm. but when you have something that's three parts, two hours, 40 minutes, you know, it's a commitment to get to that part of the movie where all the, everything's paid off. So it was hard for me knowing, oh, man, a lot of people may just not kind of get to see that whole arc. But I thought, you know, what the heck? Um, as I said, this will be the magnum opus and some will some will do it and some won't. That's yeah. a, that's that's uh, for people listening to this right now. I'm guessing you would be a Howard Films um, fan to just hear you, Jamie Howard, say that that's your magnum opus. There's 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 your motivation to go and see it, you know, right there. Like it's um, it's yeah. I I I can see what you're saying there, Jamie. Like it's you know when I've watched you all, you, well, no, I haven't watched all your films, but a lot of them leading up to it, and the way that you've um, like I said it when we started to talk about this subject, not only cater to the angler. Um, like the, like you have with chasing silver and 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 location X and such, um, but also I could have my I could have my wife watch this and I guarantee she she would understand why I need to go fishing. You know, like it's it, it's a story. That's it's a, a tagline for the movie. Yeah, you, you, yeah coast, show your wife. Show your wife. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so you can go fishing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but you could. You know what I mean? Like it, you, she would understand. Anyone, you'd have to be made of stone to not understand the drive after watching that movie you know you don't even have to know what a striped bass is you know what i mean but but like i said it's, it's there for the angler as as in all the same detail that you've done in the previous films as well i can see why you call it your your magnum opus that's for sure yeah i mean the tarpon are stars they're 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 movie stars and it's you know it makes sense it's like doing a it's like doing a blockbuster people when you're selling that to the studio you're saying hey i've got you know the rock the rock. And I've got a tropical location. They're like, okay, go. Mm. You know, but when you're doing this, you're saying, well, I've got some character actors and it's going to be long 
and it's going to be complicated at times to uh you know to unravel all of this but it's going to be layered deep and mm. it's going to resonate once you um you know commit a little little while to it so that that was part of the risk of it but you know what the hell why not right i mean oh well worth it the risk yeah. is great i'm sure you you've live got once yeah i'm sure you've got rave reviews from it. i can't be the only one gushing over it really at the end you're of the, the day. only one no nah, i couldn't be i've in fact i know i'm not i saw when i when i went on to grab it i saw one of the comments there someone saying it's like striper porn for the off season i'm like oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, um, he's, a, he's a committed striper fisherman can't take yeah. what he says seriously but um right. yeah <laughs> but, um, it is it's it's it a, is it's a great story like um you know i i did uh i i watched it just in in three parts actually uh, just before i went to bed over three nights um and it was uh it was really impactful uh i totally got the whole say the whole of it like it it i've never been to that part of the world i've never chased stripers but i sure as fuck wanted you know like same it, here it, you Probably know like it, yeah it, it was uh it was amazing and it told the story it was it was good it was it was a pretty effective movie and you know um uh it was it's well worth the investment hey it's it's the juice is worth the squeeze as they say you know well we walked out you know with red eyes and bedhead from uh you know the edit couch um it'll be it's good to know that people are on the other end of that they got to see it so thank you guys for for watching mm. yeah yeah, yeah. you're up boss I was going to say, like, is it? It sort of feels like. What What do you do next? Like, how do you How do you build? Uh, good on question. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. I am thinking of something that people may or may not like, but that's usually the way it goes with me. So. <laughs> um, I'm thinking of doing the next movie without visuals. Okay, that that seems like an odd concept. What does that look like? <laughs> we have a textured book in front of us or something like that? <laughs> so the plan is to um, create, the, if I do it, again, just, you know, is to create another project, but it's going to be, there will be no visuals. We're just going to do it with sound and interviews. And, you know, the, you could call it a podcast if you want, but it's going to be, um, I want something that people can drive down the road and listen to longer stories. I want something that, that when they're at home on the weekend, that they can listen to while they're, you know, with the kids or working or taking on a road trip. But I wanted to, um, I think it's time. I think it's time to try another bigger challenge. Yeah. Cool. I, I think you're good yeah. at telling the stories, man. Like um, getting the aspects out of the story that you want to, you put to people to, to contemplate, you know, it's, um, it's cool. I mean, it's it's obvious that you um you've listened to our show before and you've heard us do this, you know, because, and and that's cool, Jamie. It's quite flattering. I'm like, I'm like, we we, we <laughs> I'm referring to we um we me and Vols went fishing one night. And I just put the uh the phone in my pocket on record and we recorded us catching nothing for the whole night, and that was Perfect. a show. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, that was my inspiration. Yeah, yeah. I, I knew. I knew it would be. Yeah. It's uh. <laughs> you guys are the best, and thank you for 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 um you know sharing sharing that because i felt like you know 
it's like you're 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 my location x for this next project so jamie while we're on the subject of that i don't know how you got hold of it but um but i did a bonefish film before chase no i'm not kidding mate it's uh... <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah so you busted me again yeah, yeah. <laughs> i've stolen everything from australia of course you would have yeah, yeah. That's, this is where everything comes from you know yeah. paul hogan you know so strip with, on the barbie <laughs> with this uh with with your next project, have you have you chosen a, a voice? Is it going to be like Henry Rollins, the spoken word tour, or is it going to be you know maybe your 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 drunk producer again? Like was it? Um, we had to add texture to this. I think I'm just going to do a little search. It's the same way when we did the um, Cobia project. When we did the Black Salmon, we we had to find the right voice for that one for the film tour, and that was. Um, took six months to create 13 minutes so you can see the amount of work um that goes into that but that we found a voice a guy in la who um who'd done some projects i i I think and um he just he just got it right he'd done some movies and he said you know so i think yeah it'll be will probably be you might hear a little more of me this time we don't know but um Mm -hmm. if we're talking about our the thing that would be nice is I can talk about um, partners and projects and before I could use their logo and I could send people to their site, but now I can talk about why we're working with them, you know, right. potentially. So we'll see, you know, but um, I'll keep you guys on the speed dial for, um, for ideas. I'll run them by you. Uh, that's fine, mate. No worries at all. You, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's no worries. Um, we're cheap dates, mate. You just, um, I don't know, just, 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 just um, maybe invite us on the next location X. That's all we ask, right? Yeah, yeah. you guys are there. Whatever it yeah. takes to get you guys involved to get your okay, I'm I'm there. I like I like having the Australia seal of approval. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> and, and you know that's I think that's fair enough, man. I don't think many people would um be amazed to hear that. Pretty important no. part of the world, right Absolutely. down here at the bottom. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. It's a, just to go over, take a right, and there you are. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jamie, we're gonna we're gonna have to start putting a, a ribbon on this thing, dude. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, mate, uh, I guess <clears throat> it's taken us a few guys to, to to make this happen, but I'm really glad we did. Um, and I, I guess I just want to say thanks for for coming on and and um, <clears throat> excuse me, making the movies and mate, yeah, just just awesome, just a a big part of my life. Let's put it that way, and uh, it's it's great. I really appreciate it. I yeah. really appreciate you guys for having me. And I hope, um, you know, we have discussions like this. It's fun. It's fun to share it. You know, it's fun to take a break and, and take a, a minute to look back and go, oh, yeah, that that's, uh, makes me think about it. So it's great. I appreciate the time to, to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And there's yep. a lot of stories. So it's good to, it's good to get them out and, um, <laughs> you know. As we said, um, the Australian the Australian fishing community is is what we're looking to. So, we're trying to keep you guys happy. So, I appreciate you. <laughs> Let me do this. Well, I guess when when you finally make that Saratoga project, we'll be um we'll be we'll um we'll fully sign off on it, mate. But uh, until then, you got a little bit of work to do, right? <laughs> Absolutely, looking mm. forward to that. I, I I've heard the pitch, and I think you guys are onto something. Cool. <laughs> Can't wait. Yep. We call it uh, yeah. chasing olive or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think chasing the um, Saratoga, location I mean, Oz. 
already sort of taken off here. I mean, I think it's it's sort of like the um, you know the Taylor Swift of fish over here. I'm telling you, Jamie, <laughs> if you if you you know if you decide to go ahead with this, just go right ahead and pick that color you want for your next BMW or uh, yeah. you know just 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 I'd I'd be that confident. But uh, yeah, you know, I think big I market think in US. Something you guys. Mm. Always pointing me in the right direction. And once again, I, I'll trust you on this one. Um, <laughs> I look forward to learning more about that. The <laughs> we'll talk more to you about it off there. But for now, mate, we'll let, let, let you go. And um, and I'm going to I'm gonna run past my location next um, destination past you when we're off air. But for now, thanks for making the time, Jamie. Really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Jamie. Right. Let's go fishing soon. Hell yeah. Welcome back to the Fast Sync Line, fellas and <laughs> girls and folks in general, whatever you want to identify as. What do you think? Yeah. Well, buddy, uh, I thought, I mean, Jamie Howard, he, he was an incredible guest. I uh, really enjoyed having him on. For me, definitely one of the, I don't want to use the word fly fishing hero, but like, you know, I've really, I've been looking forward to this one for a long time. Look forward to all the guests, but this guy in particular, you know, shaped a lot of, uh, a lot of my fly fishing dreams. So having him on, talk, talking with him, um, you know, hearing about the process of some of our favorite fly fishing mil, uh, films, just um, incredible. Yeah. Mate, we got to give credit to the big Palowski who hooked us up with this eh, as well. <laughs> the big Palowski, yeah. Yeah. yeah you, Eugene, thanks, bro. Um, yeah, mate, can't can't say it enough. Thanks thanks very much for hooking that up, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I agree, Volts. It's um, it's a real um, treat to have someone on who's been. I mean, I gushed hard on over some of that stuff, and uh, I apologise to listeners, but I tell you, man, like um, Jamie Howard's films have been so so uh, impactful, which has been a word that's got thrown around a lot um, as well throughout the show in in my life for sure. I think it's, uh, I think he's what he's done is is would be interesting to know what my fly fishing for me personally would know what my fly fishing would be like without those films and i know that's a massive statement because mm. um we don't have the species that he films over here but the respect for the fishing you know, like the you know like the way that they do it the uh, the approach that they have like it's all relatable here it's um and i think it's uh, i think it's i think it's what it's a great <clears throat> version of what sets saltwater fly fishing apart when you talk about oh, i don't mean to be divisive within our sport but i mean we're different animals. People from down, people, people who catch um, like um, salmonoids compared to saltwater stuff. We're just different animals. You know, it is what it is. I've never seen. I, you very rarely. Well, actually, I don't think I, I can't think. I'm scanning the people in it that I don't know right now, and I can't think of anyone who's is good at both. You know, there's people that are people that are pretty can do both, but you know, the people that commit to one or the other, and that film set really commits to the saltwater fly fishing at a time when we were black sheep. You know, to to the Australian community anyway. Saltwater fishing was in its minority. People didn't. People people weren't. People were obviously doing it, but it wasn't as popular as it was now. That's for sure. Okay. Okay. Potentially divisive. Yeah. 
Um, well, I don't mean to be. I mean, we're just calling a spade a spade. The fish don't give a fuck about the way we feel. It just is what it is, and that's why I'm approaching it. It is what it is. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, um, I took out of it. Jamie was, um, uh, you know, like he he's an incredible filmmaker. He he defined the genre of, of it, um, and, you know, particularly from fly fishing films. He, um, uh, you know, and Tarpon... For, for us, like, we're, you know, we, we, I was similar to you in that, you know, I, I saw Chasing Silver, then, then the other two Tarpon films and went back to his, um, his, uh, In Search of a Rising Tide. And then after that, I think chronologically, he had the Bassa movie, which was, was not just fly fishing, it was about largemouth and, you know, the all American fish. Mm. So, you know, I haven't seen, um, he spoke about one, uh, which is, uh, Black Salmon. I haven't uh, seen that either. The Kobe one, yeah. Um, I didn't. Yeah, I, that one stuck fast. I got to have a look at that. Uh, I watched the shorts. Now I got to, I've got to pay him his dues. We spoke about it in the intro as well. But you can check this stuff out on Howard Films. You can download these movies. They're actually quite cheap. I think um, <coughs> the uh, running, you know, running the coast was was uh, ten bucks US, so like sixteen, seventeen bucks Australian, and it, you know, you you won't you won't get better bang for your buck than that. You know, I've so. got I've got an update. As well, yeah. uh, Nikki yeah. just got back to me uh, with that picture that we spoke about in the yeah. show. Yeah, yeah, that's him. He says, "I'm gonna let him know that we heard that you were having a tanty during that." Jamie tells us, <laughs> "I'm gonna let him know." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, that's see if he gets back to us before the end of this, before we finish recording, uh, it'd be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah right, so- you're having a tangy. I mean, Tanty. So, you know, Jamie has um, has undoubtedly, you know, got connections, and he would have he would have got more through through the quality of his work too. You know, to, to get a run with a lot of these great anglers and locations, and you know, to get the inside running on a, a lot of these things. Um, you know, talking to to him about you know running the coast. Um, you know, they, they cover an incredible amount of distance. It's like you know a thousand miles or something that that they're actually filmed over. So like. You know, I think locally, you know, a thousand miles on, say, the Queensland coast would go Brisbane, Cairns, you know, something even further. And, you know, getting, there's a hell of a lot of flats, headlands, beaches, whatever, between, you know, Brisbane and Cairns, for example, just using that as an example, you know, and to, to get there and to, to, to get all the local information, to get, you know, the right spot at the right time. Um, that in itself is a major logistical masterpiece. But then to put it all on film, um, you know, it's uncomprehendable. It, it, oh, yeah, and to make it a great huge. watch, huge. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That probably took longer to make than Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, um, it's uh, it's really good. It's hard to it's hard to put into words exactly how how um how much I respect. Uh, what, you know what he's achieved with his fly fishing filmmaking. Um, I, I want to bring up something. As you know, we spoke about well off it. We nearly had a mini podcast after we hit record, after to hit the record button off as well. Like, um, but one of the things we spoke about, which we sort of touched on, on the show, but didn't go on too much, was he he how he spoke about how much importance he put on getting that cast, like get put like getting that footage of making the cast, putting it in front of the fish, getting the mood of the fish. He talked about how how what that meant to him, you know, and he talked about how you know like your, your 
he also noticed that it wasn't portrayed often or the people that he worked with not being fishermen didn't see the value in that or they cut it out because of time constraints or whatever you know like it was important them to see the fishing hook fish hooked up but to him and i agree like that's such a big part of what makes those films important to me is just that seeing the fish you know like seeing the fish seeing the, the fishes that like you see a daisy chain of tarpon they, they they feed it to like the third one back or something and that fish peels off you know and it might miss but to see that fish like decide not to eat it man that's just such a, a such a common part of fishing it's like it's it's it was so it's so good to see then to finally get that eat it just takes you along the ride that you go along when you're actually fishing it's pretty cool because you notice that I think if, if you're listening to this and you go, oh, yeah, well, I mean, is that is that that uncommon? Well, you go back and you look at a lot of the films you see, um, with the exception of drone footage or something like that, like to get that footage of someone over their shoulder and to feed a fish. Mm-hmm. Like there's been some in, some important fish that we've spoken about on this show, even like uh, I think of Bumpies, for example. You, you never see, like you're, we've seen, there's footage, there's a film coming out. And I'm not to say that it's, it, it, it's you know, it, is, it isn't what it is, but I would have loved to have seen a, a Bumpy tip on a fly and eat it particularly with all the controversy around flossing you know and um but we still haven't seen that that i've seen that aspect would have been so important to get to it to get that feeling of actually catching that bumpy instead of being just hooked up to one you know i see that with other fish as well like uh, look you you do you if you listen to this and if that's that's all you need sweet but from my point of view and 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 it seemed like it was important to jamie as well which i'm spewing we didn't talk about on the podcast was that that importance of getting that eat? It's just um, it makes the movies, you know. It was a big part of what makes the movies in my mind, you know. What do you think, Volts? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I think early on in the interview, you, you spoke about um, the importance of having a, you know, somebody making these movies, whether it be the cameraman and a producer that that actually fly fish. They know what to catch, you know. That well, they know what to capture with it with the with the video, and you know. I definitely f- feel the the experience is richer if if you've got the cast sequence, um, not just you know the hookup or even the fight, you know, because for me that you know I get a lot out of seeing that as well, you know. Mm. Um, so yeah, if that <laughs> you know not not that I think I'd I'd influence for anyone, but if anybody was listening that's going to make a, a fly fishing film, yeah, put the cast in, please. Get the casting. Get get yeah. get good enough to get footage of the fish. You can't see the shape of the fish. You just know you can see the presence of the fish, and that's sometimes all you need to see when you're fly fishing as well. You know, mm. like it's, mm. you know, it's um, you know, like I, I don't give, know. You give me the whole story. You know, I want to see the yeah. loop, the you know, the uh, just not not to necessarily to hate on, just to just lot just to oh, make no, the whole experience that's, rich. You know, yeah, like, it's just it's just yeah. what. It's it, it, it's a big difference when you see it and then when you've got something to compare to like we've seen those those Howard films for so long and we're still seeing films get made which is fucking awesome but um, we've got something to compare now like when you the difference of watching a fish watching a fish eat to watching someone just hooked up to a fish it's huge you know it mean it just means so much more to to watch the eat that's all we're doing it for I mean I if someone said to me you can fly fish for the rest of your life and I'll take it but you're never gonna land a fish. But you'll get every eat. I'll take it. You know, this the yep. eat. The eat to me, like it's. Uh, it, I don't. You know, you don't. You don't the, like tuna, for example. Like you know, like you at this age and of catching so many of them and stuff, you start to drive past the the huge ones. You're like, fuck that. You know, I don't. I don't want to sit there for twenty minutes fighting that thing. You know, it's. Uh, give me the one I can land in five because because it's, it's the eat that I'm after. You know. 
you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I yeah, know but... you know what I mean. We talk about it on the boat, you know. It's a, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> so it's um, but yeah. So like it's it's the it's the eat, you know. Like it's all about the eat. It's all about the eat, mate. Get the eat, then worry. That's what I reckon. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Well, yeah, man. so I don't know where we go from here. Like that's uh, that was a. It's gonna be hard to to top that one. I, you know, I'm just um, taking all that in. Uh, Jamie, thanks for your time, dude. If you listen this far. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Well, I can say it only one more time, really. Thank you for your time. <laughs> yeah. all, right, uh, all right. Well, let's get out of here, man. Um, things to do, people to see. Yeah. Things to make. So, um, yeah, we'll um, keep going, eh? Right, right. sports. See you, dude. Bye. See ya. Bye. Every day, like this is every day. Baby.